Hi, I'm Eric, also known as v 47 from the Ranger Command Power Hour and the Starfleet Escape Podcast. You're listening to another great Four-Eyed Radio product. For more shows, check out foureyedradio.com. It's morphin' time! Today on Ranger Command Power Hour. Have 100? What's that? So I, just, I was like, do I have issue 100 here? Yeah, I do. I haven't read this in a while. We got a ton of questions on Twitter and didn't mean to like plug up your notifications. I just... Oh no, all good. All good. And now on Ranger Command Power Hour. Ay 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 ay. It's the Ranger Command Power Hour. Today on the Power Hour, episode 205, Ranger Command interview, Charge to 100 with Ryan Parrott, recorded on October 20th, 2022. Welcome to the Ranger Command Power Hour on the Four-Eyed Radio Network. Send Ranger up with your host, I'm Eric, also known as Trek to be 47 Once again, we are welcoming back Ryan Parrott to the podcast. He doesn't need an introduction. You guys know who he is. He's been on the show plenty of times now. Ryan, welcome back. It's always a pleasure to be here for the last time. No, no until <laughs> <laughs> until the turtles. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. OK, cool. I'll take it. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, how are you doing, Ryan? How's the past couple months been? Because it was like convention season for, for oh, a yeah. bit there. Yeah, it was good. Things have been a little busy. I was in New York. I met a lot of cool people there and got to just, you know, just I got to meet all my artists, which was really cool. I got to meet nice. Dan. I had dinner with Dan Mora and I got to see Daniele and Simone and and it was really fun. That was the best part. If you ever yeah. for anybody who doesn't go to New York Comic Con, if you want to meet the best artists in the business, go there and go to Artist Alley. It is absolutely the best collection of of talent you'll ever see better. And I will say this better than San Diego Comic Con. Oh, wow. Nice. Yeah. Just better. The wealth of talent that is spread out in that place is incredible. Yeah. My friend, uh, my friend, Adam, he is doing this artist jam piece for Power Rangers in space. And I think he got like on one side, it's all the in space Power Rangers. Oh, I saw it. I saw it. He brought yeah. it by and I checked it out. It's awesome, though. The crazy artist he's gotten for that thing is amazing. Yeah, I think he got like three or four artists at New York Comic Con. So, yeah. yeah, I think Ryan Stegman ended up doing Psycho Red. Yep. If I'm not, yeah, it, that one looked amazing because he did this weird cross hatching thing that I hadn't mm-hmm. seen before. And I was like, wow, that's really cool. It's a that is a wonderful idea. If you want to like have like a creative piece, yeah. just you know, have one guy do the layout and then have all these different artists come in and just do one drawing. It's incredible. They look so cool. Yeah, he's going to have such a unique piece when that is done. But I was like, holy crap, it looks amazing. So I'm glad you got to see that. Yeah, if he's um, not married, I do feel sorry for his wife, because if there's a fire, he's going to leave her behind and go gap, grab that, by the way. Exactly. Um, you also had uh, Power Morphicon in August. That's right. Yeah. Uh, Power Morphing Up was awesome. That was a lot of fun. Met a lot of people. Saw some cosplay for some characters that were like, saw Turtle Ranger cosplay, which was really cool. Got to do some fun panels, talk about everything, which was really cool. And, you know, it was just it was a really it was a very nice show. A lot of a lot of people. Yeah. It's, it was so different from the first time I'd done it, because when I first done it, like nobody really knew who I was. I think I'd done like maybe like a dozen issues of, of Go-Go, mm-hmm. but it was I was with Kyle. And so it was like there was like a line around the door for Kyle. And then there was like people would wait in line for Kyle and then look over and like, oh, do you do turtles? Do you do Rangers, too? And I was like, yeah, I do. <laughs> and this time it was a little different. Yeah. <laughs> so oh, that was sure. kind of not, not not that there still wasn't a giant line from Kyle's that I totally, you know, like you served people from but it was still fun and something happened that that was an idea that was sparked from this podcast so when when we did 
a group of my friends, when we did one of the comic reviews, we mentioned at some point how cool uh, Yale Blue Omega helmet would be. And the person that made that helmet told me that they were listening to the podcast and got that idea to make the actual Omega Blue helmet. And they brought it to me at Power Morphin Con, and it is sitting on my. I can that see is it from so here. Cool. Yeah, I <laughs> lot. I think there's a video of it on YouTube. Yeah. Of me. Of, I lost my mind because they brought it out, and like I couldn't believe that they had. It's the the. It was so well crafted and amazing. Yeah. And then they gave it to me, and I literally was like, "No, you can't. No, you can't give this to me. You're <laughs> insane. Like, there's no way. Like, what do you want for it? You want my firstborn? Like." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was very cool. And they did a wonderful job. I am blinking on their names right now because a lot of their names were on Twitter. So I don't yeah, have yeah. their account names for me. But yeah, it was very, very cool. And I was floored of how amazing it was. So yeah, yeah, one of the one of the coolest things I and the cool is I got to put it on my table for everybody to take a look at for like That's the amazing. next three days. It was great. Yeah. <laughs> and then we also uh, got to meet up at C2E2, which was earlier in August. And you know, there's that big uh, massive verse meetup. So I just want to ask generally before we dive into Power Rangers, like, how's everything going with Rogue Sun? Because, man, I read that Choose Your Own Adventure issue and I was it brought me back to my childhood of like reading those books and making the choices. And and I was able to catch the hint. I, I saw that line of dialogue and I'm like, <laughs> I, I know what Ryan's doing. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad some people didn't. So I'm very yeah. happy that you did. Masterverse is going very well. Rogue Sun, the first trades out, which has been really, really yes. nice. It is very helpful when people come up and they want to talk to you and you're interested in what you're doing. When you can hand them a first trade and go like, hey, here's the mm -hmm. whole story. Mm -hmm. It's incredible how much more people are excited for it. A first issue is like, yeah, it's a lot of money for just a very small amount of story. And so, mm -hmm. although I do appreciate everybody who does buy single issues very much so because it's the yeah. key uh, Without that, the book wouldn't get to the trade. But uh, yeah, no, the Masterverse has been a lot of fun. We had that great in, in Lockport with uh, all the stand, yeah, the cut-ups and like all the fun stuff and met a lot of people and had poster signings and stuff. And it was really cool. One of the fans came up and told me the story about how their father had left when they were when they were a kid and gone around the world to like help like start farms in foreign countries, but oh, had wow. kind of abandoned. Yeah, kind of abandoned them for most of their life. And now at the age of like 17 or 18 or whatever, had mm -hmm. shown back up into their life and suddenly wanted to be a part of it. And and this person didn't want anything to do with them. And so when they read Rogue Son, they were very much like, yes, I feel this. I understand this. And that was pretty flattering and very cool to yeah. have somebody have like an emotional reaction to a book so and but i'm really glad that you enjoyed the uh choose your own adventure that was a lot of fun to write yeah. i did that with my, my buddy nick from college who who's been somebody who's been like helping me with my work forever nice. and i was finally able to be like hey can you can you officially come on and help me write instead as opposed to just rewriting my dialogue when no one knows so that was nice but he came in and we did it and we brought in z carlos who's an incredible mm. artist and it was just a lot of fun like i was a little nervous when we wrote it because I was like, man, I had this moment, I think right before we went to press mm -hmm. where I literally talked to Michael, my editor, Michael Basuto, and I yeah. was like, hey, do we need to make this easier? Are people going to get this? Because if they get I don't want people to buy this book and then be angry at it and like and like hate me for because it's too complicated. <laughs> and like I was like, I just didn't know. And I remember Michael was like, it's fine. And I'm like, yeah, but do we do we have enough? And then we went back and forth on all these different ways and adding pages with different dialogue mm -hmm. and giving an introduction on how to read it. And ultimately, Michael was like, the Internet works really well. People will talk to each other. <laughs> It'll be fine. Yeah. And if they don't get it, that's the point. 
And so the nice thing is I actually, I've had a few people reach out and be like, I didn't quite get it and it was frustrating. But what was nice was when you do get it, I think you understand why you didn't get it. And then you're like, oh. So I think the revelation of it hopefully quells any of the frustration. (laughs) Yeah, because when I caught on to that hint, you probably forgot about it. You forgot about it by the time I, you got to the actual point though, right? Yeah, I did. Yeah. And then I was like, wait a minute, I'm stuck in the loop. Yeah. I'm like, wait a minute. And then it just kind of like opened up and I'm like, man, that's tricky. <laughs> yeah. But I, I, th- I, I was happy with it because I thought what was neat about that loop was when you discover what you have to do, I think you suddenly understand you're like, oh, that's the point of the story. And I yes. think that's that's the part that got me really excited about the choose your own adventure element of it all was that it would use the because it was really funny when people kept asking me, they're like, well, which ending is going to be canon? And I was like, you're going to have to read the book to understand that all the endings are canon. Yes. But that doesn't make any sense until you actually read the book. Mm-hmm. So that was the way because I didn't want this to just be a book where people read it and go, oh, there's all these different endings and none of these make any sense. So that's why I was like, it needs to be sort of a, a loop that sends you through the entire story so that when you get to the ending, you understand, yes, it's a choose your own adventure. Yes, you make decisions. But when you get to the end of the story, mm-hmm. it, everybody gets to the same place and you'll all understand what that was. And that, you know, that was really fun. And that's been very, very satisfying. And I think we're going to try. I don't know if when Ornate comes back, if we'll do it again, sure. but we might. We like I actually liked it and it might be a neat way to approach a villain where it's like this is what yeah. happens when he comes in. But maybe we can find a different way to make the choose your own adventure work a different way. You know what I mean? Yeah. And Ornate was just such a great design, first yeah. of all. And when he showed up, like, I got it. Like, I got what his deal was and just a really cool introduction for a villain. Yeah. Abel got that. He So I was like, hey, man, Abel, I need a, I need a, I need a character. I was like, uh, he's going to be sort of a time manipulating villain. I think he has like a sensor, you know, that thing that you have in uh, the, the priest have in Catholic. And I was like, that's all I that's all I told him. And he drew it one time. And I was like, I have no notes. That's it. That was it. That was he did it one time. And I was like, yep, that's the villain. Thank you. That was really easy. Dude, it's so nice to have somebody yeah. amazingly talented to do. Like Dan Mora is like that too, and mm-hmm. and Marco Reda is a little bit like that. Like they just they get it. They, they they get it with one swing, and you're like, or maybe I'm just not picky. I don't know. But <laughs> but it's so great to have like talented people just do all mm-hmm. the hard work for you. And it was really fun because after I saw the design, it changed the way that I wrote the character. I was like, oh okay, that guy looks a little fo- like not foppish, but like there was a regalness to him. And I was yes. like, all right, I like the idea that. He's a little bit more aristocratic because I don't think I've had any really aristocratic. Well, Suave's Suave's a different type of villain. But anyways, mm-hmm. yes, I'm I'm sort of babbling. But yeah, that was I really love that design too. If you haven't seen Hellbent, who's the new villain for the next arc, like that's a really awesome design that that Abel did as well. So it's been that's nice. the nicest thing about I've got a lot of cool compliments from people about Rogue Sun about the, the Rogues Gallery, no yeah. pun intended. And that's been really cool because that's the thing I think is the most important part of a villain is hero. Your hero is only as good as your villains. And it makes it feel a a, a little bit like Batman in a way, like because Batman had such a great rogues gallery and and to build out these villains that can like kind of pop in and pop out and team up and combine in different ways is is really cool for an original universe like this. So, yeah, that's I mean, I'm modeling after Spider-Man and Batman, like like those guys, like I mean, that's what's so fun, right, about those characters is like every single one of those villains you bring in and makes it like I loved how with Batman villains, all the villains have a different aspect that you do like a a Riddler story is not the same as a Bane story. Exactly. They they all challenge 
challenge Batman in different ways. And I wanted to make these villains do the same thing. I want one mm-hmm. to challenge them physically, one to challenge them emotionally, one to challenge them morally, one to challenge them philosophically. And so like, that was the thing that I thought was really fun. Very nice. Well, I know we're, we got time about Power Rangers, but I just want everyone to know that what you're doing with Rogue Son and like moving on after Power Rangers, I, I hope people have enjoyed your work and follow you in into the massiverse because it's such a fresh take on on the superhero genre and what you and Kyle and Matt and Michael and and everyone involved are doing is is really cool. So thank you, man. I appreciate it. I hope so, too. Everybody's been very very, very supportive. And uh, yeah, hopefully I can keep the books coming out on time. That's the only problem. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I'm sure it was easier. And and I mean, because we're just talking about uh, the charge to 100 and starting with Power Rangers issue 17, Matt Groom took over Mighty Morphin 17 through 22 and you just did Power Rangers. So kind of what I wanted to ask when you brought it back down to one book, did that free up a lot more time for you or, or not really? Cause you were also doing rogue son in the process. It didn't really at all. <laughs> like uh, <laughs> all I think is like, Oh man, thank God. I didn't have to do two books at that time. Cause there was no way that I could have mm-hmm. done it. Cause I was also with, yeah, with power Rangers, I was doing power Rangers, I was doing rogue son. I also have uh, some other film and TV stuff that is taken off, mm-hmm. which has been really, really fun, nice. but that's also taken up some, some time and some projects that I can't discuss yet, but will down the line. But yeah, I, I can't imagine trying to have done Mighty Morphin. And, and also it was really nice to actually get to be a fan again and get to read yeah. Matt's work and be like, oh, I hadn't thought of doing that. That's a really cool idea. Or wow, you know, Forever Pink. That's I never would have had the balls uh, to do that. So man. yeah, I mean, yeah. that was like, I just thought he came in and just provided an energy and just an approach and a perspective that I just didn't don't have. And so it was so nice to be able to have that just from a fan's perspective. Now, since this was the charge to 100, starting with these issue 17s, did you and Matt consult all to get the characters to a point? Because Jason's mom does die in this part of the arc and there is a funeral. So they had to come together at some point. So did you collaborate on when you wanted to do this and how to work that into what Matt was trying to accomplish? Yeah, a little bit. I kind of basically gave him my outline for mm-hmm. when he came onto the project since I'd been writing, I had to do the outline for the uh, for pretty much the entire run all the way to 100. And so sure. I basically was like, and I knew I wasn't doing Mighty Morphin. So I was like, okay, at this point, this is all the story that I have for for Power Rangers. And then so I told them, I was like, this is the issue where Matt's, well, I'm sorry, where Jason's mother dies. So I need them to be back on Earth, everybody to be back on Earth right. when they come back. And so he was like, okay. And then he he tried to told me, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do this. And I, and I and he was like, I'll do, I'll do something with finding the command center. And then, but for the last two issues, or I think, yeah, the last two issues, those were basically kind of left open. Okay. He, he gave me an outline of what he was thinking. And basically I was like, okay, the last page of 22 will sort of like, basically I just had like a pin of like, this is where they need to be in 17. This is where everybody needs to be at the end of 22. You can do anything else you want. So like, yeah, the last thing you want to do is bring on someone to write and then be like, here's the very specific window <laughs> you can write within. That would have been just terrible. So yeah. Oh, well, that's great. Yeah. And we'll be interviewing Matt for his segment in November. Cause right now he's, I guess knee deep in getting Inferno Girl Red printed. So, oh yeah, it's it's awesome. By the way, like he's been sending me some pages, nice. and there are they. Are. I'm like, can I read it soon, please? <laughs> yeah, 
<laughs> awesome. So we actually put out a question on Twitter or the call on Twitter, just letting people know that we were recording tonight and we got a lot of really great questions. So instead of breaking down like every single issue, like we'll talk about some points, but you know, as, aside from the upcoming Ninja Turtles uh, slash Power Rangers number two, that's starting in December. Obviously we're going to have you back for that for sure. Awesome. But this is kind of like your, your swan song with 100. So there was a lot of questions, not only about issue 100 and what happened in charge to 100, but also kind of like general questions for your run. So I, I do want to, have you answer some of those questions because I, I think our listeners have some great questions and they also have some praise for you. So I, I want to make sure we get to that. Awesome. So first off house of stream at stream stream ST six said two questions. Does Kaya have the ability to change her perspective on the power Rangers? Is she doomed to always see them as a threat to the galaxy and not genuine protectors? Oh, hundred percent. Yeah, I mean, mm -hmm. she can definitely be reformed or not even be reformed, but change her perspective. <laughs> I've always said this before. If uh, Jamie Lannister can become a good person on Game of Thrones after <laughs> pushing a child out of a window in the beginning <laughs> exactly. of the first episode, anybody can change. And I've had some people, I remember somebody reached out to me and they're like, Kai got the wrong end of the deal or it was like, yeah. The, yeah, and I was like, yeah, I mean, to a point. Yeah, I mean, she's not wrong about what she's saying. I mean, I, I've always looked at the perspective that like villains shouldn't be wrong about what they're doing. It's just the methods with which they're doing it is the problem, right? Mm -hmm. Like, that's the way you look at it. It's like Thanos is an example. Is like what his intentions are, the idea of trying to provide resources for the to, dwindling resources to the entire universe isn't wrong in theory. It's just his approach of killing half the population is the problem. Yeah. So that's the way I look at it with Kaya is like, I think there's definitely a possibility where she could come out of one of the jars. And I think what I like, what a really interesting would be like having her spend a little of a time or an adventure with Tommy or Draken would be a fascinating story because have her spend a little time with a person that she hates the most in the world and see who they really are. She doesn't know who Tommy is. She doesn't know anything. She made rash mm -hmm. judgments about that guy based upon Draken. And we both, everybody who's a Power Ranger phone knows Draken and Tommy are not the same character. So right. I think that's really what it comes down to. She, her perspective is very much insular in the sense that she knows what happened to her and her family, but she doesn't understand the nuances and who Tommy is. So I yeah. think it's hundred percent that she could, she could find that he is somebody that can be trusted with the white light and will never turn against everybody and has done mm -hmm. as much for the universe as anybody. So, but she's still stuck in a, <laughs> in still a stuck jar, in a jar for, now. Yeah. for now, for now, for now, for now. Sure. And then he had a question or, or they had a question about Grace. Was Grace influenced by her time with the, the Ranger Slayer? And, and did they have a friendship? Oh, in um, Beyond the Grid? Beyond the Grid and oh, yeah, in, in the Serial too. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think Grace appreciates Ranger Slayer's sort of pragmatic approach to things. Mm -hmm. And I feel like they've both seen like the universe. They've both seen tragedy. They both experienced loss of their entire team. And I feel like because of that, they probably have, they're probably spun from the similar cloth. Right. So like, sure. I feel like, yeah, I feel like she probably trusts Ranger Slayer to make the tough choices that people need to, to make and whatnot. So yeah, they're definitely, they're definitely trustworthy of each other. I always sort of saw graces. This is a weird way to say it, but like, kind of like Rita without ego. 
Hmm. Okay. I mean, there was a reason I paired her with Matt, the green Ranger. Like I, I did that uh. on purpose. Like this idea of, and she kind of talks about it a little bit in necessary evil, mm-hmm. which is that idea that like, humanity should have a say in how they protect themselves and like i always looked at her adventures in the 19 with the 1969 rangers as like she gets sent up by zordon who's like go up there and fight they're not prepared for it they get annihilated then she comes back and she's like okay now train me let me let me do this full time and he's like no thank you and she's like Mm -hmm. wow so you just threw us up there as for the lambs of the slaughter and now we're just supposed to trust that that'll never happen again and so i always felt like her desire to build up Promethea was because the power of the Power Rangers had been taken from her. She's never trusted Zordon because there's no reason for her to. And right, he right. never showed her any faith or trust. So why should she do the same thing? So I always liked the idea that her getting the dragon coin, her making the Green Ranger was her approach to, I don't necessarily trust the judgment of Zordon to protect mm-hmm. us because he's never shown me that. So that, that was the way I looked at as her as a character. She's not evil in the sense that like, she's like Rita obviously has larger ambition. Oh, sure, sure, sure. But I like that idea that like, she is somebody who will go up against Zordon in a similar way, just more yeah. of like, I'm going to protect my planet. And if you tell me one thing, I'm not necessarily going to go just go along with it. Now I'm sure you've seen the, the preview for Melissa's one Oh one. How about that dragon coin reflected in, in Rita's eyes? That was just so stellar. good. Yeah, it's pretty stellar. Yeah. So good. <laughs> Joshua Aaron Moore at Kentucky Jam asks, what were you most surprised to learn about Power Rangers during your time working on the brand? He said, thanks a bunch for your contributions, Ryan. Oh, well, thank you very much. I think. I mean, about the franchise or yeah, like, yeah, about, about there's the, definitely stuff I was surprised about that I can't talk about. <laughs> oh, sure. sure. <laughs> well, of, of what you can talk about, like, like I, think, I mean, this is probably not the answer he's looking for. But I would say I think the thing that surprised me most when I came on was I didn't really have knowledge of Power Rangers outside of Mighty Morphin Power Rangers as the show. Mm-hmm. I didn't know when I came on to write Go-Go. I mean, I knew in passing, but I didn't know it had been around for 30 years continuously. I didn't realize that there were all these sort of sects of different people who love this ring, who love Dino Fury or who love Time Force or who love Zeo or who love RPM. And like, so I came and watched those after the fact. Yeah. So I came in. So I was I was experiencing a lot of everything outside of Mighty Morphin I experienced as an adult, everything at Mighty Morphin I experienced as a child. And those are obviously you watch those shows as an adult. You have a very different reaction to it. Mm-hmm. At least I did. So I think what I learned was just sort of there was just a very it was just a big shift of like it was sort of like watching Doctor Who for the first time, which is like, wow, yeah. there's all these seasons and all these different stories. And there's a very different terms of quality and storytelling. You know, like so like <laughs> that was the thing that was was interesting for me was sort of like taking all of it and seeing the different, you know, the Nickelodeon times and the Disney times and all that stuff. So it was like washing myself and that was kind of a bit of a culture shock. Nice. We have Devin Thibodeau at Thibodeau underscore Devin, who said, what other Ranger teams would you write if you were ever given the opportunity or what you would like to write? This is also not the answer they want. I am only and barely qualified to write for Mighty Morphin. I think (laughs) if you asked me to write any other book for any other full team, it 
would very much be lacking in sort of like the mm. nuance and the detail and the and that thing, which is probably in some ways why I mean, look, now that I'm kind of off the book, I can say some stuff that I've never sure. said before. That's good. So like, I think that's one of the reasons I was always a bit scared to venture outside of the lens of Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, mm-hmm. because I just don't know those series and those characters as well as everyone else does. Like, I know who they are. I could walk you through the characters names. And I could tell you the stuff, but like, I don't have that sort of strong affection or that strong sort of like story to like, I didn't have those stories that were burning inside of me to tell about those characters, but I had stories from my time watching as a kid that I was always curious about in stories. So I feel like just in that level of sort of magnification, if I was going to do one though, I mean, I think you could probably do something really fun with time force. I think you could make, I think time force would be a really great story to do a lot of fun crossovers, a lot of like a quantum leap kind of thing with all the different Rangers could be kind of neat. Like there's a lot of potential in that. And also I think that time force, as a core, I always thought that story held together really well. Mm -hmm. And so like, I feel like you could use that in a lot of, there's a, the, the engine and the generator of that story felt fresh and felt like there's a lot of things. So I'd probably do time force. Sure. I know you mentioned quantum leap kind of uh, off track. Have you watched any of the reboot? I have not, but Brian and Steven who wrote it, yeah. wrote the pilot i've known since they created alcatraz a bad robot so oh, they're wow. good friends yeah they're good friends and and so i'm very happy for them because they i remember the day that i saw the announcement i texted him and can i swear on this yeah go ahead i literally was like you <laughs> like, I, was just like <laughs> I just texted them you because i was like i i know so many filmmakers who wanted to do quantum leap as a oh, reboot for man. so long yeah and he just sent a smiley face emoji back at me like, yep, I got it. So, yeah, they, <laughs> those guys have been I know like I was just mad he had never told me that he was developing it because I was oh, like, wow. man. but yeah, I, I I'm sure I'll get around to it. He actually sent me the script. I got to read that at some point. So I, I've actually been I've been watching it because oh, I was great. How is it? I was a huge Quantum Leap fan, like back when it was originally airing. And that's why I love Scott Bakula. I love Star Trek Enterprise, like, Mm -hmm. you know, Bakula for life. Like, he's awesome. And so I've been watching the reboot. There are so many ties to the original. It's not just Easter eggs. It's essential to the plot. Oh, cool. Very cool. They bring back legacy actors from the old series. Wow. It's wild. And the fact that Scott Bankula isn't a part of it right now, like for now, he's not for now. We'll see. We'll see. (laughs) Because they're they're kind of leaning like, you know, maybe they're trying to get Sam Beckett back, but the story stands on its own and I'm really having a fun time with it. Oh, yeah. I've gone back and watched episodes of Quantum Leap. There are a handful, maybe more so, that are just like some of the best hours of TV ever. Like like the, I always remember like the Lee Harvey Oswald one is really, really good. There's an earlier, and also the ending of that show is just tragically like kick you in the gut good. Yeah. Especially because that episode, when you find out what Al is doing. Yes. Is like, that's the thing that made it so good, right? It's like they, you know, for all the times we talk about bad finales or things that don't quite live up to the hype, the thing about the cool thing about, to me about Quantum Leap as a show was at the end, it understood that it was the relationship between Al and, yes. uh, oh, why am I? Sam, and, right? And Sam, yeah. Yeah, and it got it. And so that the guy that you'd been trusting and relying on for all these, for a hundred episodes, yep. suddenly he's not trustworthy. And you, when you discover why and all the jokes about all the wives he's had, it was such a wonderful yeah. ending. And also I would say the other episode that I always remember and I really love is the one where Sam is on the 
there's a bunch of we could do this all we could do a whole sure, podcast sure. about yeah. Call of Duty. but there's the episode <laughs> where he's on the kids television show yes and he is explaining his theory of time travel and how do you think that time travel is a string that you hold on one end and the other and yeah. then what it actually is imagine if you could take time and crumble it up into a little ball and all these little days that touch each other yep. like a string that's the line of time those are the moments of the most important moments of time and what i thought was so cool is at the end of the episode the guy that he has helped like in the episode he's helped the old guy who's like the yep. the, the old space guy who's going to get fired and leave the show he does it on the show and you see little sand watching it so it's this cool loop of yes. he told himself the theory of time travel that ultimately led to, to Him, the quantum leap travel. machine yep. such a yep. cool I love that that was such a great story payoff I love that episode so much and so what they're doing with the new reboot is like it's so connected to the original series but it's also accessible for new people because oh, I, I have a friend who's watching it and loves the show but just knows of the existence of the old show. Like they haven't seen all of it. So it does a good job for both new fans and, and old fans. So it's, it's really good. Oh yeah. I'm totally like going to get around to it. It's just, it's yeah. just a time thing. Yeah. But I'm, yeah, <laughs> sure, I'm, I'm very, sure. I'm glad I'm really happy to hear you like it. That's awesome. Yeah. So Brian Dibble at bliss stock one, and I want to give him a shout out because he actually has this Google doc. Like it's this whole reading order for the entirety of the comics. Thank he, God, because obviously I don't know what. So go listen to him. Everybody go listen to that guy and not me. He wants to know, is is there a short story besides TMNT crossover that, that you would come back to Rangers to write if they let you? And I mean, I, I don't know if you can say anything, but may, maybe is there like a like a dream crossover Oh, I mean, I'm already doing it. So like, it's like hard to, it's hard to say. Like, I can't think of any other ones that I'd be like, I mean, I, there's the one that everybody at the conventions always says, which is like, why haven't they done like a Power Rangers Transformers yet? And right. I'm like, well, they'll get there eventually, I'm sure. sure. <laughs> um, probably not me writing it. Somebody cooler than me will do it. You know, some, I, I will take the other side of this coin. If there's a story or a short story I was doing, if it was in the Ranger world, like I think I would love to... It would have been really fun to do like a, a short, like a one-off of like Century Force 4, the Altarians. Oh, yeah. I, I want to do them, but like as heroes and not villains, because I didn't see them as villains. I saw them as just soldiers who were right. like sort of working for the wrong side. So I'd love to do a story where like they were the main characters and you got to understand them more. That'd be super fun. There's the joke I always make, but I would do it if I got to do it, which would be a Dane and a Yale, dogs and cats <laughs> by living together, mass hysteria. Like doing a story of those two together would just be absolutely <laughs> hysterical yeah and i will say if they came to me tomorrow and they're like hey man we really need you back which they won't but if they did and they were True. like would you be interested in doing something i was like you know maybe doing something with the altarian wars and actually making mm -hmm. that like going not just doing it through the flashbacks but actually showing what was actually going on like the right. reality of that that'd be kind of fun i think that'd be kind of a neat because i really liked writing zardis and zordon yeah. and zoffram and stuff like that that was a fun those were fun characters to write so those would be the three things i would come back for nice Add Turtle Rangers to Shredder's Revenge at, at Kara Melkis said, is there any Ranger color you would have liked to use as a prominent character that you weren't able to during your time on Power Rangers? Spoiler, for about a month, there was a Silver Omega Ranger and a Gold Omega Ranger. Okay, because someone else asked about that. Yeah. What was kind of the deal with how that happened because i know you i knew you worked with paul, paul aylor yeah. 
to flesh out his Power Rangers Unlimited with the Death Ranger. So can you talk a little bit about that process? Yeah, I mean, I, so when when I broke the whole story, I basically had quite of like a paragraph of like, OK, this is who the Death Ranger is. They're a member. Of, they were one of the old the original members of the original Mega Rangers that we referenced in Necessary Evil mm-hmm. and that they had gone bad and basically sort of bit, they turned against the rest of the team. And ultimately they were sort of their original body had died, but they had sort of merged with the morpher. And so they were, mm. there was like a possessed morpher and that whoever, any of the Rangers that, that held on to that morpher could sort of like be tapped into the, like a sort of like a genie in a bottle kind of thing. Sure. That was basically all I had, but there was a point where we were discussing it and they're like, so what is, like what actually happened? And I was like, well, because Daphne came to me early and she said, hey, so you're going to do this. I'm going to have somebody else write the origin of the Death Ranger, which I will be honest. When I first heard, I was like, why don't I get to do it? Like, I can't <laughs> I came up with the character. Can't I can't I do the story? And she goes, yeah, if you can find a way to write both books and do a one shot in the same month, wow. you're more than welcome to. And I was like, OK, I won't do it. <laughs> And then she came to me and she's like, how, how about Paul? And Paul came and pitched yeah. the idea. And I was like, oh, that's awesome. And so he pitched me the idea. And in the original version, I kind of told them there was a certain things that I needed there to be. Like, sure. I was like, I need him to be able to have the power to resurrect the dead. I would love it if there was some element of of his philosophy on what his ultimate goal was, which was the, this the, idea. Their, their ultimate goal. Yeah, they're, sorry, their ultimate goal. I'm sorry, yeah. I'm terrible at pronouns. No, I really yeah. apologize for people. That's no, offense. It's not. Yeah, that they were thinking about like their their ultimate goal, which was that anybody who was had been wronged, that they could resurrect them and sort of give them their day in court, and mm. that that was the ultimate goal of the idea of taking what Andros wanted, which was revenge right. and justice, and going too far with it. And that was all that was what I basically told them that Paul was like, that's all I need, because otherwise I won't make any sense as to what they want. Right. And so Paul took that and ran with it. But in one of the original things I said was, oh, maybe we had talked about like he sent me an outline and I was like, maybe the Gold Ranger killed the Silver Ranger. But then what we realized was it was like, oh, wait, then where is the Silver Ranger? Why isn't there a Silver Ranger, a new Silver Ranger? Yeah. Yeah. And so I was like, okay, then it can't be. And then he's like, I'm going to have them. I'm going to have some. And then he changed the story. And then it became the story about them losing. I think it was the Blue Ranger and that that relationship. And then he that's when he riffed and did then took the whole thing. And he's like, and then I don't want to imply that I wrote any of that story 99% of that is all Paul and Paul did a wonderful job. And I'm very happy with it. Oh, that that story like so emotional like he did such a great job with that so yeah i I was just kind of curious like how much you know was was the concept versus paul so you know i'm really glad that you gave the outline and he just took off and ran with it yeah yeah i just all i needed was certain elements that i needed for the finale to work and then like the whole concept of their perspective on death and how they didn't have that that all came from paul which i freaking love because i was like i love that there was this whole sort of philosophical like they're not really a villain as much as they just don't see life and death the same way and now they're in their universe and everybody else is reacting to it in a way that they don't understand yeah and that's where they're frustration comes from i thought that was really cool i was like oh that's really neat there was a lot of nuanced stuff that i thought he added that i thought was really great and that was something where and i mean you're a star trek guy like me like it's almost like because their collective consciousness came from death it was almost like a like a mental borg situation in a way 
but yeah, they weren't cybernetic. It was just like their heaven is basically all in their collective minds, which is crazy. That's such a cool concept. Well, I mean, in reality, and I'm mean, not reality because I'm I'm I'm, I'm, I'm <laughs> adding my own religious spin on this. But sure. there's a valid you can make an argument that might be what heaven is, right? This idea sure, of sure, sure. Once you leave your physical form, all energy coalesces together, and now we're all sharing the same. Yeah, we're all one, and we're all together. Like, but the idea that that could be used and and mm-hmm. manipulated and be considered a bad thing is kind of a neat twist. Like, it, like I yeah. thought that was really cool. Yeah, awesome. One of the other unlimiteds that came during this run was Marguerite Bennett's Countdown to Ruin, which dealt with Andros and Zane. Now, was was that also something that either Daphna came up with or, or with you pitched to maybe give Andros and Zane more backstory? Yeah, I mean, that was one of those ones where, like, she told me early on that she was going to use that. And excuse me, burping again. I got to stop drinking Coke Zero while we do these conversations. <laughs> That was one of those ones also where when we discovered how important Andrus and Zane's relationship would be in the story, mm-hmm. she was like, I think we need a one shot here to fit that, to, to touch on that and also get into a little bit of like what had happened and fill in the backstory that everybody had kind of talked about, but had never yeah. really been seen. And I was like, that makes a lot of sense. But when it came down to like the details of that, I actually didn't really need that much clarification. Sure, all, I, sure, sure. all I needed, I think, was I was like, I need... Andros to hear this story after their world had been destroyed, basically, or, right, or to, right. or like hear the, I was like, I just need him to hear the story so that he knows about it. So that when he sees the Omega Rangers call in 17, yes. where like that, he goes, Oh my gosh, that thing I heard about a long time ago, it's actually real. And in a place of very dark, grieving sort of anger he's like immediately sets forward on how to utilize the thing that he'd heard a long time ago that was Mm -hmm. all i needed i just when it came to the emotional stuff and all the stuff with zane and their relationship that was all stuff that i was like that's all you i don't need to like be involved in all that Uh, nice yeah i was like because i don't like i don't that's the one thing when you like run a project and or you run the larger story and everybody's coming in i try to keep my hands out of it as much as possible Mm -hmm. because i i know that if i was writing it i don't want to try to write towards someone else's story i want to tell the story that i feel i'm passionate about and so i try to hopefully give people the same amount of freedom and now i'm curious to that because obviously you're i mean it's all like you guys are all working together under Daphna and crafting this universe of the, of the comics. Are you able to take things that Marguerite and Paul did and, and that helps influence your story? Yeah. I mean, I'm always sort of riffing off of them as best whenever I can. I think the one problem that you have is like, usually those one shots are being written at a different time than when I'm writing my stuff. So I'm usually sure. farther. I'm usually like three or four issues ahead of the one shots right, when right, I right. finally get to read them. So they usually fill in or connect the gaps in the larger story as opposed to me riffing off of them because I just gotcha. don't have the ability to do that because of where we are in the process. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Henshin Beat asks, what ideas didn't you get a chance to do in your run? Not ideas that had a chance to pay off for other writers, but something that maybe was left on the cutting room floor that got dropped for one reason or another. And I know in our past interviews, we touched on a couple of those, but maybe any that we haven't talked about or... Yeah, there's one that I finally talked about at Power Morphin Con that I can finally say out because it was like my original pitch for GoGo. Okay. So my original pitch for Gogo, before when there was a there was an early stage where we were like 
Daft was like, okay, I want to do an early days of Power Ranger story, but we didn't necessarily know it was going to be right after the pilot. It was, she kind of gave me a more freedom. She's like, tell a story you want to tell in the Power Rangers. And I was like, okay, I got a pitch. And my pitch was the opening is Rita fighting the Power Rangers. And she's like unloading, there's a monster and she's using her powers. And in this moment, she tries to like superpower the monster. And when she does, the spell turns on her, destroys the monster and the Rangers find her in like a crater and she's now 17 years old and she has no memory of being Rita. And she's like been the, the spell backfired on her and it made her younger and she doesn't know who she was. And so they go to Zordon and they're like, what do we do? And so they decide that they're going to enroll her in high school and they're going to try and basically rehabilitate her from like mm-hmm. train, make her like teach her why earth is great, why you shouldn't want to fight it and sort of get her on their side by not by not telling. And so the whole run of Gogo was going to be Rita in high school. And she still is Rita in a lot of ways. Like, can you imagine Rita at like a high school bat- football game, just screaming at the top of her lungs and like using magic? And so the idea was I was going to do that. It was going to be the story about her slowly realizing who she is. And like hate and turning on the Rangers ultimately for what they'd done. That was my original pitch. And that was always something I thought would be a lot of fun, but it just never really, we ultimately were like, this isn't the right, this is like a whole nother reality and doesn't feel right with what we want to do. But that was something that I always thought would have been a fun story just because I liked the idea of Rita being crazy in high school. Yeah, <laughs> that's pretty neat. <laughs> yeah, but I think we, I think we ultimately made the right decision. Oh, sure. That was one of those. That's one of those stories where you're like, oh, that that could have been fun. It'd be a very different book, and I don't know if people would have loved it. But it was something that was like that was my first, you know, drop in the bucket. And they're like, nah, not quite. So JD at a myth known as JD asked in the past, I know Ryan and, and parentheses and Kyle mentioned having a struggle writing for Zach, and I noticed. In the post-Stone Canyon era, Adam has felt a little bit in the same boat. What makes for writing MMPR Black difficult? Jokes aside, what challenges arise for writing for those characters? Hmm, interesting. I've, okay, I'll, I'll start with the first part and then a second part. The first part sure. sort of is like, I've always said this in the past, is that you know writing for Jason and Kimberly and Billy is a lot easier because it's mm-hmm. almost all plot-oriented, right? Jason, usually any moral decision he has to make or tough decision, he's the leader. So like it's easy. Like the He goes, the Power Rangers go the way that Jason or Tommy goes, depending right. on what part of Power Rangers are writing. When it comes to Kimberly, you always have a lot of emotional stuff to play with because you can play with her relationship with Tommy, you can play with her relationship with, with Matt, with the other way, whatever, you can do mm-hmm. that. So the romance angle is always helpful. And then obviously with Billy, he's always, you know, they've got a problem. He's got to come up with some sort of technical device. He's got to come over, you know, so you've got the plot element. Those plot elements are very easy, or at least they always sort of give story elements to those three characters. So it's a little harder when you're dealing with with Trini and Zach. And mm-hmm. so with Trini, it's what the things that I've always been trying to play with is sort of her empathy towards this, the other team. Like she's right. emotionally in touch with the rest of them. Zach, I obviously have used in some ways for a while. I did use him as and some people do not like this, but I totally understand, which is I use him as sort of the the humor in the book, because, you know, when sure. you're dealing with a lot of heavy plot, you're dealing with a lot of heavy story. It's like it's nice to have somebody come in and undercut all that because, you know, just and move the story along. However, I will say this in my defense. Yeah. I tried very hard in Power Rangers to not make Zach just the punchline or the joke guy. I thought what I, I mean, if you listen, if you read, you know, if you read all of, all of the, from the beginning of Power Rangers yep. all the way to the end, this is a guy who goes to a planet, it was an alien planet 
where yep. he finds a race that is conquering and enslaving other races. Yep. And he hates them. And then he finds this queen who basically is the only choice of salvation who can redefine this species, right? And she dies to save them. And so he makes a choice to leave the king behind in order to give this group of people a new chance. And he's haunted by that. And not only that, then he starts, it takes it upon himself to start to protect these people and help them build a new world and also protecting them from the very people that they victimized, sacrificing yep. him own self. Like that's a very emotional and very strong. That's not a joke storyline. And I felt that any, and yeah. for some reason, a lot of people either didn't, it didn't, it didn't fall for them. It didn't resonate. But if you want to say that I write that character as a joke, I'm, I argue that it's quite the opposite. I think Zach went through, like, at the end of issue, is it 20? Whichever one they find them. I can't remember what number it is anymore. I think it's like 22 or yeah. maybe whatever Yale shows up. They're stuck on that planet that's falling yeah. apart. And, like, he's literally saying, like, we're going to we're gonna commit suicide. We're done. Yeah. Like, that's not funny. Like, that's a character who's gone through some strong emotional stuff. And, yeah. And Power Rangers 17, which is this, you know, start of this charge to 100, uh, he continues that storyline with the weapon that's being stolen. And that's how we meet Kivor. Yeah. And the idea is that Kivor is this is sort of like he's the personification of this orphaned yes. race. And he's like, I'm going to try and get through to this kid and he does any struggles with it as he goes sure, along and he starts sure. to find the good and the bad with him and all that stuff. But like, that's what I wanted that story to be like. That's not, yeah. this is a story about a lot of, a lot of the, the final run of charge 100 was about parenting. If you look at, you know, obviously yeah. the relationship between Zach and Trini and journey and then Kivor Vrin, like it's like, that's what I wanted to play with. So I do take a little bit of not umbrage, but I do sure, take sure, a little sure. bit of like, you only write Zach as the comedy guy. I'm like, well, I disagree. I think, yeah. you, I think there's a lot of emotion that he plays in there. Now, when it comes to Adam, that's a little bit of a different story because I think the thing that has been lacking in Adam as a character in Mighty Morphin, probably before Zio, was a point of view. If you ask me what does Adam care about, what does he want, he's sort of there. He's just kind of there. And I feel like I might have missed the boat a little bit on not giving him more of a specific want or a specific sure. point of view. If you actually go back, and read, I think it's like Mighty Morphin number 53. There's a scene between Adam and Violet, which is the character that I, that I brought up in the other thing, where she talks about there's no oversight over the Power Rangers. That was right. me starting to try and give him a point of view as to in the similar way to Grace, where I was actually thinking about having him think about leaving the Rangers and go over to Grace and mm. help with Grace. Uh, just unfortunately, because of the way that the book split and the way sure. the story unfolded, it, it kind of fell by the wayside. But that was my attempt at trying to give Adam a little bit more of a POV. But I really did like, and, and we talked about that before, but I really did like that moment when I forgot if it was necessary evil. I think it was necessary evil where, where Zach got to talk with Adam and, right. and Adam kind of had that, well, you're the funny guy. Like, like, who am I, you know, in this Power Rangers thing? If you think about it, that's literally a scene about me going, I don't know what my place is on this team. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Zach saying, just find it. It's OK. You don't have to know your place. You'll mm -hmm. find it. It will present itself to you. 
And that was sort of the idea. So like in a weird way, I was meta basically saying, Adam going, why am I here? What's my perspective? Like, what am I doing here? And Zach being like, don't worry, you don't have to be me. You can be your own person. And then what I was going to try and hopefully do was make him his own person. But, you know, it is one of those things, you know, it's an ensemble book. Uh, I know some people have been disappointed with the way that I treat the Stone Canyon trio. Mm -hmm. I will say, man, you only have so many pages and only have so many stories to tell. I'm not saying that I couldn't have done a better job in some areas. I totally think that I could. But, you know, and I feel like if there was any character that sort of got not overlooked, but the least amount of sort of like attention, it's probably Adam, unfortunately. Yeah. But I will say, though, I I really like what you did with Aisha when you were on the book. Like, thank you. Giving her that almost challenging Tommy in a way, like questioning everything and kind of being suspicious, not not cautious. Like evil suspicious. Yeah. yeah, just cautious. Cautious. And I've always liked her approach in the stories. So Thank you. I think you did a, a great job with Aisha too. So thank you. Yeah. I, I enjoyed writing her because I always looked at her as somebody who always was waiting for the other shoe to drop, which yeah. I thought was a nice perspective to have on on a team. Like I was like, okay, that's her job. Her job mm-hmm. is to always if you go back and read just her dialogue, there's a lot of moments where like she sees things coming before anybody else. Like there, I always thought it was really funny in Esther Evil when like the the Mega Rangers show up. She's the one who goes, "Where's your Blue Ranger?" Yeah, like she's the first one to say. Like she just she's looking, she's cautious, she's observant, and that's the thing that I always liked about her. She's the one who's always questioning the plan. Going, hey, I know our friends are important. Do we have a plan for this? Mm-hmm. Like she's just very. She sees danger coming. That's her superpower. Exactly. Also talking about. You know, you're talking about a little bit about Zach and, and Trini, but Trini more specifically with Zach, because they're basically parents to Journey, while yeah. Jason is struggling, you know, with the things that he deals in charge to 100. You know, I, I really like this pairing of Zach and, and Trini and not sure if this was intentional romantic subplot, because in Power Rangers Pink, which was done like way before and like that's post or like during Mighty Morphin season three, essentially, or, or past Mighty Morphin season three, you know, they were kind of a couple in that mini series. So was your intention to kind of make Zach and, and Trini kind of a couple or just to bring them closer together as, as friends? Both. I will say this. So I know some people have questioned whether or not pink is canon. Sure. Our approach to it was always, it can be canon unless there's something so great in the story that we want to like, did like say it's not like if there was okay. like, if we were writing the storyline and there was just something where it was like, okay, we don't, we can't have pink line up anymore. Cause this is too important the story. Yeah. Otherwise I don't. And I, someone probably will call me on this, but I don't think there's anything in the that story that we wrote that contradicts what happened in pink. Like yeah. if you think about like, I think when Kimberly texts Jason, like he's away. And so like, like, yep. like he's off the, he doesn't have a connection to the, you know, there's all that stuff. So I like, and the idea that those two are together, I, when I broke the charge to 100, my final run, I knew very specifically, and I've said this before mm-hmm. that I wanted it to be about birth and I wanted it to be about death. Yeah. And so for, so obviously Jason's story and the death of his death of his mother and everything that happens is very specifically about that. And then I was like, I wanted the other side of that. I wanted Trini and Zach to what it felt like, what it would be like to actually be parents. And I did realize that if two people raise a child together, something they care for deeply and love very much, Mm -hmm. that is going to bring people together. And I actually thought we might've missed a little bit. There's that moment when they're standing over Journey's grave in 22. Mm -hmm. I actually kind of wish I had had Trini and Zach holding hands there. 
I think that yeah. would have been a thing. But I was also like, you know what? I don't need that. It's fine. It's implied. It's I think sure. you get it because the other thing. Here's the other thing. I never quite understood. Like when I heard about when I read Pink, I was like, really, Zach and Trini? That's an interesting combination. I just don't quite see what they would get along, how they would. Mm-hmm. I just didn't. It was for me. I was. It's not instinctual. I understand why Trini would kind of fall for Jason. I don't. I think there's something about Jason sort of like the all-American sort of like the leader. There's this like, there's a thing there. I could see how she would look at him and go, oh, he's really, you know, but I just felt like she's very empathic and Zach is sort of juvenile. And so like, I just didn't say that. But then I thought, wow, if you did have this thing where she saw Zach become sort of this man who was raising this child. And I also want to say, I think I might, I do occasionally mess up with, with Journey's pronouns. I also apologize if I've sure. done that. Or if I do that at all, I'm, I know, I'm sorry. So I'm just letting, sometimes when I talk fast, I just like lose track. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, with Journey, like the idea that he would raise them and Trini saw how Zach evolved and how Zach yeah. matured. And like, that might be the thing that brought them together. So like a new appreciation for exactly, someone that she's like known. He's growing and changing yeah. and, and she's growing and changing and they're growing and changing together. And, and I felt like that was at least the nice first step. And so, yes, I did write it with the intention of, if you got to the end of the story, you might go, I could see how those two could be together. Okay. Awesome. Camelo Leninbach Bravo at La Jen Bajen said, how have you managed to give such personality to all of these characters that only had glimpses of it in the show? <laughs> well, thank you. I appreciate that you felt like I did that. I have a little bit, I could do a little rant on this. If it's okay. If I've been talking yeah. too much, I apologize. Yeah. No, okay. No, no. So, this is something that somebody asked me about on a panel and I didn't articulate it very well. So I've wanted to sort of wanted, I'd love to be opportunity to sort of like flip it. So when you write an ensemble, I think the key is to try and find different voices for all of the different players or different mm-hmm. characters, right? It's sort of like a table, you know, you don't want everybody to have the same, you, if you have a table, you want it to be evenly spread out. You want all the legs to be the same length, all that stuff like that. Right? So like right. when you do this, you don't want like all the characters to be one type of person. You don't want like, it's the bad character team if everybody's the jerk or everybody's the smart one or, you know what I mean? Like, it's like, yeah. even when you put like, for instance, if you do suicide squad, even though the ghost people are all villains, they all sort of function in different ways in the team. It's like, if you do a group project, right, you mm-hmm. can all be alphas, but eventually someone's going to be in charge and someone's going to be the supporter and someone's going to be the, whatever those codes are. Anyway, so a thing that I do early on when I'm writing an ensemble is I take a character Mm -hmm. and I try and distill that character down to like a single descriptive word. And Mm -hmm. I don't do it in the sense of like happy or mean or sad. I try to find a word that has some layers to it. So like I'll use the original Mighty Morph Power Rangers team. So Jason, if I use it, if I would one word describe him, I would call him disciplined. If I was doing Trini, I'd do empathetic. If I was doing Zach, it would be juvenile. If it was Billy, I would probably do analytical. Kimberly, rebellious. Tommy, tortured. And Mm. so what I like about those words is there are positive and negative elements to those descriptions. Like if, if for Jason, if Jason is disciplined, he can be very precise but he can also be thick headed. <laughs> exactly. And rigid. Exactly. Yeah. You know, with with Trini, it would be like she can be very sort of insightful, but she could also probably be overly sensitive. Which is what happened when the whole Omega Rangers, when the Imperials were first starting. And she's like, well, this is planetary genocide. We got to do exactly. something. And Tommy was gotta, like, ex- no, we got to. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So I do that for all of those characters. And what's really fun about that is once you've kind of figured that all out, I do a thing, if you want to try their voice, is like ask them all the same question. Like, Mm. how are you today? And so Jason, a disciplined response would be five by five, 
doing great, you know, as, yeah. as Trini, she's like, I'm feeling a little down, but how are you feeling? You know, Zach's going to give you a, a joke answer, you know, like Billy's going to be like, well, my electrolytes are a little high, but I you know, like, <laughs> but that's you yeah. ask them all the same question. So now because you've described each of those characters into one word, mm-hmm. it helps you. You can take that word and those al- elements that you've walked through, both the positive and negatives, and you can apply that perspective on any scene about anything because they're all yeah. going to look at the same question in different ways. And I feel like that's how you create character and that's how you create energy. Now, what's really interesting to me is like when. The st- when the original three left and Stone Canyon Trio stepped in, like I lost, if you look at that way, I lost discipline, I lost empathy, and I lost j- comedy and juvenile energy. So what I had to do was, in order for the team to feel like there were things, I kind of looked at those elements and I went, okay, let's look at Aisha. Aisha, she might not be disciplined, or she is, but I'm saying like, she could be cautious. She could have that same yeah. sort of energy. With Rocky, you know, he could be a little more unfiltered. And and be bring that fun juvenile energy. And with yeah. Adam, he could be a bit more. I'm mean, thinking about the words from, but like that's what I tried to do is those characters would help me keep the table from tipping over because those characters. Because I don't want to make if you make if you make you know Adam rebellious and Kimberly rebellious, they're going to have all the same lines. And as a good rule of thumb for writing, if you should never be able to change them, I should be able to delete all the names of all the characters in a script, and you should be able to know who they are by the way they talk. Mm-hmm. You should be. But now the thing, that's not always the case, but you sure. should. And there's been times where I would like, I'll write a scene and someone will say something. And then I'm like, ah, actually, I, I, you know, this character hasn't said anything for a while. And I would delete it and write the name. And I go, and if that line is st- the same line and it works, then it was a bad line and I'll change it. Uh, got it. Like if you can't, if you can't find their voice in, in the new line. Yeah. Kimberly shouldn't say the same thing the same way that Billy would. They should have you should ask them the same question. They will have a different way of approaching it. And so that's the way that's the way that I try to write. That's the the thing that, you know, if you're trying to write and you're trying you find yourself having a hard time finding those voices early, do that as an exercise. And it might be that thing that you just go back to Mm -hmm. and go, oh, okay, that's what that that's what that character is. And so, you know, I know characters are always layered, but I think when you're trying to when you're in those early stages of just trying to build out the especially when you're not using existing characters that you already know like i have the actors to pull from but if like you're creating a brand new team uh, you're writing your own character and they're new there's their people like do that as an example and it'll help you sort of keep everybody's voices in line that's great advice (laughs) the last kind of general question before we deep dive into like mighty morphin uh 100 and and kind of the whole build up nate dakota asked if you could pick any Power Ranger color. What color do you think you are and why? And like, what would your weapon or like season theme be? Oh, oh so I have to come up with a new one too? <laughs> well, 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 no, if like maybe, maybe from any existing season, but if you could choose like your own Power Ranger color, what would it be? I mean, I think when I was a little kid, I was like, I'm the Red Ranger. <laughs> I know that now that I'm adult, I am definitely not the Red Ranger. I am probably more of a Black Ranger. I'm probably not smart enough to be the Blue Ranger. So it's I'm probably the Black Ranger. I think I'm supportive, hopefully, in a team uh, thing. I can hopefully be <laughs> a, hopefully be a little bit humorous in certain situations and and keep people from getting angry and sad. But yeah, but I'm not I'm not the leader. That's just something I've sort of realized. But like, I guess if I was picking, oh man, that's a tough one. I don't know. That's a good question. I don't really have an answer. Maybe simmer that in the background if yeah, it, yeah, if it pops it. up. Yeah. <laughs> 
So we talked a little bit about Power Rangers 17. I wanted to touch on something in Power Rangers 18, which I think was a great issue because they're kind of all just discovering because the Omega Rangers split, you know, Yale and Jason. And then obviously to get them on on their journey, quote unquote, you know, Trini and, and Zach to discover journey. And I, I guess my question for that was, what was that particular pairing? Because you built it up a little in Power Rangers 17 to connect Yale and, and Jason. Yeah, I think it was just trying to figure out, like I kind of knew where they were all going. I will admit to one thing, and I, I know I like to try to pretend like everything's all matted out and I know exactly what I'm doing, but there was like a significant shift in the outline between 17 and 18. Mm. Yeah, there was a whole, I'll tell people, it's like, it's fine. There was a version of the story where the Death Ranger did not take over Zane. And I had mm. already started writing 17 when we were still working on the outline for the rest of that. So what was originally going to happen was that the followers of Vox were going to break into the, the vault and they were going to get Garrison out. And when they got Garrison, they took the Death Ranger with them and the Death Ranger took over Garrison. And it was going to be about them, sort of this idea of like becoming like this, the key would be the vessel. And rightly so, I think Daphna, my editor at some point was like, after we'd sort of, so if you see how in that first issue, you get to end of issue 17, the followers of Vox are like, that's the, that's the big bad. I kind of represent them as like, sure. they're the big problem. And then you don't see them for three more issues. <laughs> and you're like, what happened? And I ultimately, I figured out a way and they actually ultimately served as yeah. a really helpful, like, they, I don't think if you read it, you're like, oh, I don't know why these characters in the story. Like, I actually ultimately figured out a way to use them, and I think in a helpful way. But that's why Madafta was sort of like, I think if we're going to do this idea that the Death Ranger is taking people over, it can't just be, it can't just be Garrison. No one cares about Garrison. He's like, there's right. a people don't remember his name. You do. No one else does. And I was like, great. So she was like, that was, it was her when she started talking about, let's reframe the story through Jason's perspective, his relationship with Andros and what Andros wants. And I think that was valid because she was working on, you know, the, the one shot with, with sure. Marguerite. And so she had the insight that I wasn't thinking about. So that was why that shifted. And that's why I think you see in set in 18, you start to see it's very much like, okay, Jason and Yale are going to be this storyline going to this place to deal with Andros. And, and that was where I started to break the story into two very specific lanes. But it was because there was a little bit of a shift in the outline and me sort of finding the new center of the story, which was the relationship between Jason and Andros and this idea of a Red Ranger the old red ranger who has lost everything. And then another ranger who sort of starts to lose something. And that idea that Jason wants more and then anything in the world to hopefully help Andros, who he's seeing is going through this, sort of this pain and, and whatnot. Yeah. And then ultimately the idea of those, like they, those two to me are very sort of like the real story is not the relationship between Yale and Jason. It's the relationship between Jason and Andros. Well, yeah, I, I, I was just wondering why just like Yale tagging along, but I, I did appreciate that moment in Power Rangers 17 where, you know, Yale and, and, and Jason kind of go off together and, you know, Jason understands him and basically has that moment to be, like stop and smell the roses and, and appreciate the beauty of, of what's around him. So 
I really liked that moment. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah. That was me just setting up. I knew that he was going to leave the series. So I was like, yeah. it'd be nice to have him like go like, this is where I want to be forever. And it's like, okay. Uh, <laughs> and I just, and I kind of looked at him as like, I was, this is sort of silly, but I was like, I looked at him and Yale you know, was kind of like Shaggy and Scooby. I was just like, that'll be fun. Yeah. That'll be a, like, that'll be a nice, like, it's like, you know, He-Man and Battle Cat. Like they're off going on their own little adventures. And the idea that like Jason and Yale are sort of this like cool little team tag team and stuff like that. I thought that was fun. And also, like I use Yale to save the day later on, which is fun. So, yeah. Moving on to Power Rangers 19. For me, this is <laughs> as a new father, the whole compilation and seeing Journey like grow up and get into trouble and Zach and Trini like, you know, there's stuff splattered everywhere and they're trying to get Journey to eat and like she's getting into all this mischief. Like, I. I really enjoyed this issue in particular. Like it, it really hit. Thank you. I appreciate it. It was, uh, I, I think it's page nine where there's just that nine by three by and three it's like journey. Yeah, journey. Don't, don't eat that. Don't do journey. that. This was actually inspired by a friend of mine who does those little Instagram things where they sh- like, <laughs> where they take the photo of the kid above and then have all the little details they write about them. And so she would post those. And I went and read through all of them. And I was like, oh, yeah. And I just took all the things that she that her daughter had done and applied them to Journey, which I thought was a lot of fun, like like drinking from the dog's bowl and all that stuff like that was stuff. And that like sleeping on the stairs, like what, like what are you doing? Doing and trying to eat everything and like it was just such a fun thing of just like this idea of like, oh, God. That, and I also we have we got a dog in COVID. And so, like, yeah. I know a little bit about like trying to raise a ch- like a little like just a that bean. was what we did. Yeah, for, for exactly. For three for three months it was just like stop eating that don't eat that what are you doing put what take that out of your mouth so like i get that that's part of what raising a child is <laughs> at the beginning yeah. it was really fun i like this issue a lot it was really i don't have a kid but i really thought i was like this feels like all the stuff that my friends have told me it's like to have children yeah it, it definitely is another thing that was essential in this story was andros working with jason and yale to save the the KO-35 folks. And we get this great summary of like, you know, Andrews basically telling his his story and, you know, almost setting up that unlimited uh, countdown to ruin. So we get a little bit of that. What was interesting was we get to see Andros in the black covert suit, which was originally in the show, but they more prominently made into a toy. Right. And people were like, Oh my God, did, did the toy like influence this or was this to to help? Was this like a Hasbro mandate to sell more toys or is this a cool thing? It wasn't a Hasbro mandate. It was just more like I saw, I think I was, I was watching the Hasbro, one of their streams and they revealed that new character. And I was like, that's a dope outfit. Like, that's a cool, like you take the, the, if you take the, the cloak off, it's just all black. Yeah. And so when I knew that I didn't want, I loved the idea that Andros hadn't morphed since everything that had happened like that he was so angry and frustrated and he didn't and he kind of says in this thing like if i don't morph i don't like i i know i'm gonna do some bad stuff Mm -hmm. and i don't want to do it wearing my morphing gear like i don't want to just besmirch being a ranger because i know i'm gonna start killing people and i know i'm gonna start acting in a way i shouldn't and i'm not going to dishonor the red ranger 
visage. And so that was my inspiration behind it. And also I knew that I ultimately wanted him to morph and that morph would be the moment that, that free. Yeah. So that was what I was getting. We'll talk about that because that was freaking awesome. So that was my thought was I was like, okay, so if he's not going to morph, what's he going to wear? And then I'd seen that action figure and I was like, that's a cool outfit. That's like a fun stealth suit. Let's do that. I kind of looked at like the way, like, I'll be honest. Like I think the daredevil live action costumes are ridiculous. I'm not a big fan, but I love the black with that. He wore in the first season. And so I was like, let's do that. Let's do a version of just like this cool stealth thing. And so that was, it wasn't a mandate. It was me just seeing that action figure going, oh, that actually works really well for the story that I want to tell. And also, but I think, I think because of, because you made it like, it actually helped sell the figure. Cause I know a couple of totally. people that read the story and were like, Oh crap. Now I got to pick up that figure that I thought I was going to skip. <laughs> You're welcome. Hasbro. Uh, you, the check should be in the mail. Anytime you want to send it over. But but yeah, this this is just such an amazing issue from a lot of perspective, because, you know, we find out that we get that hint towards the end that Andros actually has an ulterior motive. So you think, you know, he's working with Jason so well and Jason's excited because he met another Power Ranger and now, you, you know, something's happening. But at the end of this issue, that's when we get the twist that Jason's mom has died. Because it goes back to Gogo, and I know we talked about, you know, Jason's dad being sick and Jason's dad, you know, kind of having all these health issues. Why make it his mom? Is it just subverting expectations or like making this deeper connection with with Jason's mom? So the reason it was the mother was because so my mother has multiple sclerosis. She's had it for uh, most of my life. And my father, uh, my sorry, my stepfather has taken care of her for a very long part of it. Mm-hmm. And one of the conversations we had early on with him was, do you need help? I feel guilty going to Los Angeles to pursue my dreams and do the things I want to do in my life while you are here taking care of my mom who needs it. What do you want me to do? And ultimately what he said was, that's what I signed up for when I married your mother. I love her. And that is, that's in, it's in the vows, man, for richer, for better, for worse, richer, poor, for sickness and health. And he's like, that's what I want to do here. And mm-hmm. his willingness to do that and allow me to go after the, do the things that he knew I needed to do and be there is one of the reasons I'm able to write comic books and ready to be able to do all that stuff. Right. Mm-hmm. However, if something were to happen to him, that would change everything. And I, we would have to go back and take care of my mother and find a way to make that work. And so we got to the point of like, I knew I wanted someone to die. We talked about his dad going, but what I realized was if you take the mom away, that's actually the harder loss because she's not really been a character in the story. She's appeared like two panels and she's doing this wonderful thing by taking care of your father and letting you go off and be an Omega Ranger. And I just thought if you take that away and also I always liked the idea and it's a little bit in here, the idea that like she was sort of the conduit between the two of them. You know what yeah. I mean? Like she would talk, yeah. she talked to the dad and would tell him about, and she knew how he really felt about his son. And she would talk to Jason and tell Jason how his dad felt about him, even though those two couldn't do it themselves. So what I thought was even more tragic was you take away the one person that is translating your feelings between these two people. And now these guys have to figure out a way to do it themselves. Mm-hmm. And that why I felt like losing mom, that was the thing that would really make them have to come together. And I felt like if you just took away dad, 
the, his and his mom already have a good relationship. They already have that thing. Right. And it felt like more of an emotional journey for Jason to get to that end to like, there were some people, I remember somebody was like asking me on Twitter, like, why do you go back to his dad? His dad's a jerk. And I was like, yeah, he's still his dad. Like exactly. just because yeah. your dad's, yeah, like that's ridiculous. Yeah. Like, oh, you're just not going to go back. No, you're going to, you're going to try. And so I just felt like emotionally it was a larger leap. But, and also at the end, he knows his dad doesn't have that much time left. Mm-hmm. He does, you know, he doesn't know how much time his dad has left. And so right. like that idea that he would go back and take care of him and be that guy, I thought was a mature move. It was something that somebody would have to, that was harder. And that was, that's the reason. Also, there's just a, a really, I have to commend you for such a great moment with Ernie because we don't get a lot of these moments with, with Ernie after go, go power Rangers. And we already knew Ernie and Jason really had that mentorship. And I just want to say taking like a whole two pages for their conversation. I really, really appreciate it. I thought that was really cool. Ah, Thank you. I love Ernie. And and I feel like Ernie, you go back to go go one right like ernie loves jason like er, journey i mean there's a there's a reason i made jason's dad the gruff jerk because Mm -hmm. i knew that ernie is sort of his father figure his father figure yeah he has two of me a zordon and he has ernie and and i just felt like ernie is this kid like he really loves it jason and he just i like that it was one thing it's like his mom he didn't know how much his mom loved him so it's like i'm gonna tell you this story about how much your mom loved you and like try to be there for him in a way that he probably thought he would need him to and it's and you're right it was it was nice to be able to bring him back into the story in a way that you know i don't think you know i also this was actually after my grandparents passed away there was that scene at the end Oh no, they passed why it was a while oh, ago, sure. like oh, 10, okay. 10 years ago. And but there was, I remember with my it was with my father, mm-hmm. and after at the funeral, there was a point where like there was a lot of people, it was like over 200 people at my, my grandparents' oh. wedding, at my grandparents' funeral. And so we were there. And I remember when I was with my dad, and I looked over and there was a line of people who just wanted to come over and say how much they loved my grandparents and just have like a moment with him and so that's what those last two panels are with all those people who are sort of waiting in line to talk to jason and it's sort of that moment of jason going okay this is what i got to do i need to be there for them because they want to be there for me yeah and that was something that i had seen firsthand that i was like because i remember i turned to my dad i was like do you want to sit down he's like no we're gonna i'm gonna be here for a while and i was like okay and so like i felt like those little details of like having gone through the loss of of family members is something that i was really happy that i was able to put into a power ranger book i thought that was something that i hopefully felt real and felt honest because i feel like that stuff's like we're all going to go through that especially for you know 20 people in their 20s and their 30s like that's when you start to lose the people that have been there your whole life and it's very shocking and so you know hopefully this book when you read it you'll remember it when that happens and you'll be like oh okay that's what that's like so yeah, and, and 20 was packed because, you know, 20 is such a pivotal issue for any title. And and I know technically this is like legacy cover, whatever the heck, but... Right, yeah, <laughs> but, yeah. But, but still, this was really packed. You know, we get that torture scene with Andros, and he's beating up on this... Uh, this is it the Zivix, or what are they? Zurichs, yeah, the Zurichs. The Zurichs. Yeah. So we get to see that darker side of Andros. But we also get the Omegas and and the Mighty Morphin team reconnecting. And you weren't writing the Mighty Morphin team for a bit because Matt was taken over. So uh, how did you feel to bring back the this kind of mini reunion, even though it was on very sad terms? Oh, it was pretty easy. Like I kind of knew where I wanted them all to be. And I, I knew exactly who the people would be 
that were interacting. Like I knew I wanted Jason and Trini and Tommy to act because I like the idea that, you know, mm. Trini's always in tune with everybody else's emotional needs. And I like the idea that like, because like Jason and Tommy have that thing. They are kind of the same person in a lot of ways, right? They have the same, they've both been leaders. They both like, like there's just that thing of like, like we're, you know, gung ho that episode, like that's yeah. the thing. Like I go back to that a lot. So like, I thought that was a pretty easy thing of them all trying to reach out to him. And he's just like, no man, I got it. I got it. I got it. And then the idea of just, even with all this happening, the idea that journey could be a part of, it's like, if you've ever asked your friend, do you have a dog? And then like, let me show you a picture of my dog. And they show you 27 pictures of their dog. And like, I thought there was something <laughs> funny about the idea that like Journey's doing like a live video concert with Yale wearing a wizard hat. <laughs> it's just like, that's what you do. Cause it's like, you know, cause I, in that same thing, when I had a funeral, like the day of my, the day of my grandparents funeral, we went to see that we had, like, we all got done after and we all went and saw Tropic Thunder which I didn't laugh the entire time because I was sad, but I yeah, understood yeah. what they were trying to do. And so yeah. I felt like that's exactly what would happen. Even when their friends lost one of their, they're trying to lighten the mood because that's what you got. You got to try. Otherwise you just, mm -hmm. you're just going to get sad. So it was fun to bring all them back. And like, I always like writing those characters. So it's nice to bring them back. Before we get to issue 100, 21 and, and 22 really set up the death Ranger possessing Zane. And I really like the line because we get a little bit of joking Zach again when, you know, Andros is riding around on the, the glider and he's like, can, <laughs> Zach's like, can I take that out for a spin? And he's like, hey, <laughs> yeah. if we if we get through this, yeah, I'll let you I'll let you ride one. <laughs> I just thought it was great. I had to bring those things in. Those things are amazing because I was like, well, he doesn't have a Zord. Oh, yes. He can put him on the, the surfboard. Yeah. So that was the yeah. So I, I did kind of have uh, have a technical question and uh oh. <laughs> but just kind of throwing it out there, because I don't know if there's a like a slight disconnect, but when the mega ship was stolen, Andro says that there was prototype Ranger technology, yet all of the Rangers had their technology in the past. And Andros even brings up like like Zordon was giving him technology so they could spread the Ranger technology to other worlds. And I think there's just like maybe a disconnect because in the unlimited shot, and it might've been an artist thing. I, I don't know, but, but Zane actually morphs in the one shot with a regular Astro morpher instead of his silverizer morpher. So was, was like all the stuff before prototypes or was the prototypes on the mega ship meant to be like the morphers that were meant for, the actual in space rangers like in power rangers in space i'm going to answer this a little politically because i don't want to get into trouble sure 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 in my brain the way that i had sort of figured that out was that and this could contradict what's in the book so like i sure. I, I, I am not tending to do that i'm just telling you what was in my sure, head sure, in sure. canon when i wrote it i had the origin of ko35 in my head where it came from, why there were humans on there. This whole, I have a whole backstory that I never got to put in the books, but there was like, so the idea that I had was that, that Zordon was sharing Ranger technology with KO 35 while mm -hmm. he was awake with the MM, like MMPR, like he was doing it at the same time. Okay. Because that's the only way it made sense to me because Andrews is about the same age. So obviously there's like going on. So he had been sharing them for a while. This might contradict stuff, but this isn't what was in my sure. head. So he was doing that. And the idea was that they were going to take that prototypes of the Ranger Morphin. Now, it doesn't necessarily mean that was actually the in space stuff, but just the early attempts to get into that. So they were going to take that with the Astro, the megaship, 
to other places and give that technology to them and ha- ally them and start to recruit more and more and sure. try and to okay. for the war. That's the way I'd had it in my head. I can't say one way or the other about the the morpher that because sure, 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 sure. I didn't oversee the art on that book. Sure. Got it. Got it. So that might have been a choice that was made by Marguerite and Daphna. That might be a simple oversight. I do not know. OK, so I would say that was just in my head. That was the way that I was thinking of it. Out OK, because if memory serves and you can probably tell me whether I'm wrong or not. Sure. Like the morphers are on the Omaster megaship when in in space in the first yes. episode they're in there and those are those morphers right yes so that's what they were always intended in my head to be that's what they Got were locked it. in that room and then ultimately that was what it, it was going to be okay does that make sense yep awesome. okay i hope that's a good enough answer but that was like you know like that that was how, how it was in my head i always try to go for the simplistic one that doesn't add sure. like I had a lot of mythology because we're already dealing with so much from the show i don't want to i don't want to yeah. contradict stuff and make it more hard but that was the way that i had in my head and then I wanted to talk a little bit about about 22 because it sets up what happens in 100. First off, okay, was it Marco Renna or I know you're the Star Trek guy when they destroyed the space station. I mean, it's that's Deep Space Nine. Come on. No, that's Marco. That wasn't me. But yeah, he definitely <laughs> he definitely made that DS9 that I was like, oh, all right, cool, man. Because <laughs> like DS9 has such a specific design that you're yes. like, wow, okay, man. Like that was definitely, I think it was partly because I said there was a docking ring. Oh, man. And I think that's probably why he went that direction. I, I was like, did Ryan like be like, just blow up Deep Space Nine? <laughs> yeah. yeah, if you look, Cisco's flying through space there somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> No, I, I mean I'm I'm a truckie, so I caught that instantly. I'm like I'm like okay, whose whose Easter egg was this? Was this Ryan's or yeah. or, or Marco's? So. No, I, I I usually don't write that stuff in there because I was like I don't get in trouble. Right, right. But yeah, definitely when he shoots it, like there's even you can even see the habitat or the yep. uh, the promenade. Oh yep. man, yeah, it's definitely in there. <laughs> Sorry um, guys. No, it's all right. It's all right. So this is where it culminates with the followers of Vox. And there's a massive battle and Zane is possessed by the Death Ranger. And we get all this interaction with Jason. And obviously he's pissed because, you know, he thinks that from his perspective, Andros betrayed him. And there's a lot of, I want to say, passionate arguing from Jason. And he's really trying to convince Andros. And then... Jason gets stabbed and the Death Ranger is able to possess them. And, you know, obviously later in this battle, Trini and Zack also succumb because there's that great freaking panel where you see a possessed, the new Omega Red with the Death Ranger powers, but also Yale and those teeth are terrifying in in the visor. So my question is for the Death Ranger to possess them. Did technically all of the Omega Rangers die? Yes. In my head, that's what they were. But they were like only like, yes, yes. I mean, there's some verge of death because I I think that's probably the safer way to look at it, because look, I will be very honest with you on one element. I think the thing that was a little scary for because that was originally the intention was like he kills you and then he takes you over. But after you're out of that, you can be alive again. But the idea is obviously with everything with Trini that gets a little that gets a little sensitive. So like, you know, like we don't really show it. We didn't really talk it. We were vague on purpose because we don't want to be insensitive to that situation. So that's where it is. 
so, but yes, that was the idea was that they were sort of, they were, that's what Jason was stabbed in the back and died. Cause there's a line, I think he says where he's like, he's dead. And he's like only for like a moment or something like that. Right. Sure. I'm looking at it. He goes, no, not dead. Not for long anyways. So like, that's what he's, he's like, he's dead. He's no, he's not dead. Not for long anyway. So like you want your friend Got back it. and I want, I require a more powerful vessel. So that was the idea. It was like, they do die, but only at that moment before they pass, does he turn to take them over. So that's just his opening for the Death Ranger to get in, essentially. Yes, exactly. Okay. At that moment, yes. Got it. Was the idea, was that because his race has this subconscious network, that's why he's able to possess the whole team? Yeah, that's the way I was looking at it. Because okay. of, he was using, he uses sort of the connection to the Morphin Grid. They're all, yeah. that's why if they're all connected, like since they're all part of the Omega Rangers are sort of connected through the same sort of app, you know. Right. He's able to use that and his own sort of alien connect like he's you i would look at it this way uh, if imagine all the omega rangers are sort of connected by the same rope of right. omega power and he has his race has that ability to sort of connect to a different rope yeah he's using that rope to basically take them all over and make Got them it. yeah 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 he probably should have used that metaphor in the book honestly these designs are amazing. Like I, I know Dan Mora did a lot of the concepts. So did he do the concept of like the possessed Silver Ranger? Because there's there's the beautiful variant covers done by Bon Barnardo, which fortunately I was able to get all of those. Nice. But there's like very subtle differences. And even when someone's possessed, and I think we have a question like that. When someone's possessed, they get like buffed up a little bit. Like they get right. So is that just the the Omega Gold's power coming through? Like they also physically change? Yeah, I think we were just like the idea was like if the Death Ranger has the teeth, right? It made sense that in connecting them, the way to show that he was sort of controlling you and, and amping mm -hmm. you up was those teeth on all the Rangers. I just liked the idea that that was what was scary to me. That was the whole yeah. image. So, yeah, it was that was just the way of being able to be like, OK, how do you know? Because uh, I didn't want to completely redesign all of the Omega sure. Rangers like we well, like those suits. So let's just do it that way. So the teeth just felt like a, like a natural way to do it. I mean, Marco with that panel of red and blue Omega, and there's just something terrifying about seeing Yale's alien skull. And yeah. I'm just like, this is, this is crazy. <laughs> yeah. Just the eye. You can see through the eyes and yeah, yeah. definitely. Yeah. Like, yeah. And he's got the multiple eyes. So that it's, it's, it's really cool. It's a little dark. Yeah. Like those are those things where I'm like, I don't know if that makes sense, but I think it's really scary. So let's do it that way. <laughs> nice. Nice. And that kind of leads into issue 100 because Andros is able to go through the portal and basically summon Journey and Kivor and Z to set up this amazing issue. So we'll get right into it. We had a few questions about Mighty Morphin issue 100. First off, I just want to say personally, I really love this story. The idea of all the different artists coming back together was really exciting to me. That must have been just a treat for you to see these pages coming in. Oh, yeah. I mean, when Daphne told me because I had already kind of broken the episode, the issue. And then she was like, hey, we have an opportunity, I think, to bring back. I've reached out to a lot of the artists. I want to bring these artists back who are everybody who was sort of 
important to the run their runs not to say that the people who didn't come back weren't important but just the idea sure, sure, if sure. you've done a long run let's see if we can get them to come back and i think everybody she reached out to said yes which was really awesome but daphne god bless her and if she listens to this i i, I love you for it she does not like the idea of using just random pages if you're going to do as a different right. artist it should be there for a reason and so she basically came to me and was like i want to use these artists is there a way to do it in a way that feels organic. And I was like, at first she was like, are there ways to use flashbacks? And I was like, no, there's no ways to use flashbacks in this story. Like I, I've done that. We don't have any room. It's a very squashed issue as it is. Ultimately though, when I realized that, and I'd already had the idea in there that Andros would morph and that that would like basically sort of interrupt Jason's connection to the morphing grid. I was right. like, well, we can make that moment bigger and we could actually have it Andros and Jason and the death Ranger sort of all get pulled into the morphing grid. And mm-hmm. it's about their, it's a fight over Jason's soul and ultimately Jason having to come to the realization of where he is and what he's in. He's got to make the choice, right? He's got to ultimately be the one who decides. Andros is trying to talk some sense into him and following him through his dreams. But, but Jason ultimately has to make that decision. Exactly. That's why he ultimately gets pulled away and it just becomes him the death ranger. And the idea that the death ranger, he talks about it a little bit in some of the earlier scripts. He says like, I've given, given heaven. He doesn't say it, but that's his implication to the, to the Omega Rangers. Like they're all in their own personal heavens that I've given them to and I'm using their bodies. And so Jason is tempted with that, which is this moment where he gets his mom back and he gets to just go back and be a kid again and do that stuff. And so I thought that was the ultimate choice was this this temptation of i'm going to give you the thing that you want i'm going to get you know that grief i can take that away it's gone she's here Mm -hmm. you can spend time with her you can help her unload the groceries you can walk around it's your ideal world man all you have to do is just take it and let me you know get like i'm giving i'm giving i'm taking away that burden and i'm going to give you i'm going to take and use and you know do my thing so that was what i thought was kind of interesting was so when we realized that we i could use that moment and i could take i could have it be an opportunity for each ranger to actually draw, I'm sorry, each artist to draw that time period from when they drew, when they had written oh. the book. I thought that would be, and also I was like, I want to see Dan Mora draw the, um, the star, the, um, all the rangers arriving yes. for Shattered Grid. I was like, I want Dan to draw that. So yeah. it was just fun to be able to do all that. At one point it was going to be double page spreads for everybody. Sure. But ultimately I was like, this is going to be a 65 page book. There's no way we can do that. <laughs> so we had to pull back and I would, I would, it would have been nice to give everybody a little bit more room, but like, I think ultimately giving everybody just basically one page or so was it worked enough and, and stuff. Yeah. I have been criticized for basically being like, wait a minute, didn't you have Billy go through the dreamscape to go save Zordon? And now you've got them. I was like, yeah, but it's the morphing grid. Come it's on. The morphing grid, And I get, I get to do a great, it's the 100th issue. I get to do greatest hits. Of yeah. all the of, of the rangers sitting on top of the 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 dinosaur and or the megazord and all that stuff and I was just like, come on, man! Like, what's the, aren't we having fun here? Isn't this what we want? Isn't this getting an opportunity to see all this stuff be the point? And I thought, and I liked, and I thought thematically it lined up pretty well with yeah. the idea of Jason. I love the 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 page where he sort of turns against the death ranger and you see that uppercut where he's going through all his different forms like that was awesome like i saw that page i was like dope and that was miguel mercado Mercado. yeah mercado yeah and he's done the covers he's never done an interior page he was very nervous and he absolutely killed it and i was just like dude you have no reason to be scared yeah like he freaking crushed it and i mean he got to show the moment where the death ranger was defeated which was which i also thought was kind of funny because it was like you get 
Jason, you get the Mighty Morphin, you get the Mighty Morphin, the shield, you get the Omega Ranger, and then he punches out a gold a ranger. Gold ranger. Oh, yeah. Now, I, okay, I just noticed that. Yeah, okay. He punches out a gold ranger, a golden black ranger. Like, yeah. come on, man. Yeah. Like, I'm not subtle. <laughs> One more shout out because it's just all these artists are amazing, and I'm so glad that this was able to happen this way. But on Daniela's page, <laughs> yeah. he packed in so many moments with this unique and trippy panel. Specifically, I, I have to give Daniele a shout out because he illustrated like the white light moment, like yeah. all of these different moments, and he packed it all into one page. That dude is a powerhouse. I just saw Daniel in New York and I was like, dude, you pick the weirdest angles for some of your books. Like I would never in a million years have been like, let's do a spiral where the arms and everybody's getting stretched different directions. Like he yeah. just, he really does pick some amazing angles and sorry, I'm still, I'm still drinking vanilla Coke. No, sorry. <laughs> Sponsoring this episode. No I'm kidding. But like, I wanted this to be them falling through the different floors of time. And then he did this and I was like, yep, that works. That's pretty, pretty much insane. That's amazing. Nice job. But yeah, yeah. pretty, pretty crazy. So I'm going to do listener questions and that's how we'll, we'll round it out. So, at AOT9393. And I mean, if you're listening to this point, I'll put like a spoiler tag at the beginning of this. Have we spoiled everything at this point? <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, we're pretty much that. So they asked, was the plan always to make Trini the leader slash Red Ranger? We saw her pretty often take charge of the team, even with Jason there. Yeah, I will be honest. Like I when I knew Jason was leaving, I was like, Trini's going to be the leader. That makes the most sense to me. She feels like that. It's kind of the way that I've been writing her from the beginning. It's if you think yeah. about the way that I write, even the way that I write Trini from the coin list, like she's yep. kind of the one in charge. And also, I always loved that in the early days of GoGo when they did the color swap where she was yes. red. Yep. It gave her that confidence. Yeah. And like there's a moment at the end of that fight where I remember where they're all looking and they're like, are we going to do this? And everybody looks, they look at Jason's like, don't look at me. And Jason and Trini's like, let's do this. And she's like the leader. And I just felt like she just needed the green. She just needed everybody to see her as a Red Ranger for them to believe in herself, like for her to believe in herself and them to believe in her. And yeah. so I liked the idea that as Jason left, that she became the new Red Ranger. And, you know, could she have said the Yellow Ranger? I sure. guess so. But and yes, have there been Rangers who are not red that run teams? 100 percent. But there was something about a changing of the guard. There was something about yeah. that taking over and handing that power off that I just felt was a nice that could be like the next. Look, Rangers change colors all the time. Yep. So like yep. so the idea that, oh, my gosh, training's changing a color. Yeah. People change color all the time. Look at all the co like Tommy's gone from green to white to red to two reds. Two yeah. reds. <laughs> come on, people like like, come on, like, let's not pretend that like, yeah, yeah. like these Rangers don't change colors. So like I just thought there was something cool about that. I do wish had I had more pages. I really would have liked to have had the moment where you see her hand it off that Jason gives the power over. Like they, uh, they, they, yeah. I would have loved to have done that. I just ran out of pages and I felt like, you know what? It's not the end of the book. You know, right. Melissa's going to do the next run. You still might see it. Who knows? I don't True. know. So like, I didn't think it was the end of the world. And I thought there was a kind of a neat, and I liked the, the tempo of the last few pages and I didn't want to disrupt it. So, yeah, yeah. So they also want to say that they thank you for giving the fandom an Asian, red leader 
Oh, okay. Well, they were on. Okay, good. They were on board with this then. <laughs> That's oh, awesome. for sure. Yeah. When Dan did that cover for Go Go, where it was her with the sword in front and everybody was in different yes. colors. I remember my wife walked by and was like, "That's a really cool image." I, she's like, "Wow, that's an Asian female as a Red Ranger. That's really cool." And, 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 and yeah. And my wife really appreciated that. Yeah. Okay. I didn't mean to assume that person was angry at me. <laughs> no, 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 no. They also had one last question. Um, what were the reasons for retiring Jason as a Ranger? Was Zio a major influence here? It wasn't a major influence. I've never intended on writing the book towards the show. That's sure. not the goal. I want to write the best story I can think of. I'm going to have it unfold the way that I think it can. And that's just the way it is. I don't ever go like, okay, that's the show. Let's get there. That's not the goal. I, in fact, I didn't even know that Jason was going to leave the team until I killed his mother. I didn't know. But it, when that happened and I thought, okay, mom's gone. Someone's going to have to take care of dad. Jason could do that. And I did know, obviously, that he does eventually become Zio Gold. Yeah. And so I was like, well, that means he's on Earth, doesn't have any powers. So I realized there was an opportunity to basically let him gracefully leave the show in a way that felt yeah. organic, felt like the end of his journey and the journey I'd written from the very, very beginning. Somebody yeah. pointed out to me, they were like, this feels like if you go back and read Gogo all the way, it feels like you just told Jason's story. And I was like, cool, I didn't really intend that. But yeah, that makes sense. And so it just felt like a natural way to have him leave the series in a way that felt it fit with the show. It doesn't mean he won't come back. It doesn't mean he sure, doesn't have other sure. adventures. I don't know. But if you were to pick up Leave 100 and then you go and watch the show, you're gonna be like, oh, cool. That's exactly where he's been. That's what he's doing. That's why Tommy was able to go get him. And like, it made, it made sense to me. So when those things line up, I feel like, okay, lean into it. But I didn't sit down and write Power Ranger 17 and go, okay, how do I line this up with Zio? Right. I, that right. wasn't that wasn't the goal. LOL bro haha first had a comment. They said, thank you for your brilliance and for honoring these amazing characters. Well, appreciate it. And one of the questions that they had was, how did you think to compose those final epic shots, like the last few pages, where Jason waves goodbye and both teams of Rangers morph and then pose together with their Megazords? And soar into the air with him, like with tears in his eyes. I just started thinking about what I wanted to see. <laughs> yeah. And so I just thought about, you know, he's on the phone and he's listening to this voice. Uh, the, just uh, like aside, like I think I've said this. So when my grandparents passed, I actually had a voicemail from my grandmother mm -hmm. that was on my phone for a very long time. And I would listen to it often when I wanted to hear a voice. And so I knew that. And this is actually something Daphne had brought up. She had actually said, you know, I mentioned the voicemail, I think in like 17 or 18 about how like, yeah. he says, you know, she, he felt guilty. He's talking to Zordon. He goes, I feel oh, guilty. Right. She called me and I haven't even listened to, I missed the call because I was too busy. And like, I thought that would haunt you. Like that thing of like, man, mm. if I'd only done it, I could have talked to her one more time. And so I liked that he had. And so when I, when I wrote that, Daphne said, you've got to bring that voicemail back at the end. And I was like, oh, okay, you're 100% right. And so I, I knew from like issue 18 that the yeah. last scene of this book was going to be the voicemail. And, and the mom knew, right? She knew he was a Power Ranger. <laughs> that's, what it, that's what it felt like. To me, yeah, at least. I mean, that was kind of what I wanted to infer. Like, I love that he was sort of like in the old version. He's like, I wish I told you. I wish I told yeah. you the truth. I wish you knew everything about me. And the cool thing is this voicemail is sort of that answer that it's very I mean, she's not meant for words. She's like, I wish I could give them all a big hug. And so they know what they're doing is important. And she can't say it and he can't say it. But right. 
I think it's inferred pretty strongly that she knew and that she was proud of him. I think that's the best gift you can give him. Right. So like, yeah. yeah. So I knew when I was going to write this, that I, I wanted it to be with him leaving and them saying goodbye. And I mean, this is just the, also Marco just like kills these pages. Like what's oh so God. great about that is <laughs> like, you write it in your head and then you see it and you're like, whoa, that's bad. Like, I didn't realize there's like the fourth panel on page uh, 38 when he's right. like, when, when she's saying, I actually caught him in your room the other day. He said he was looking to pawn some of your karate trophies, but I know he just misses you. That image of Andro standing over Zane's body with his hand on that. I was oh like, that's God. so cool. I didn't even think about that when I wrote that. Oh. <laughs> so like, I love yeah. that stuff. And so, yeah. You know, seeing Jason say goodbye and crying and then them all going into this next sort of generation and yeah. and being able to let everybody sort of draw and, and stuff. And like, I was really happy with it all. So like it was it, it worked out. It worked out pretty well for for me. I thought it it allowed me to to tell the story I wanted to tell and hopefully ended on a beat that felt like a song, like a little yeah. bit of a song at the end. Yeah. A couple questions about Death Ranger. Cosmic Ranger at Cosmic Ranger 006 said, how do you pronounce? Is it Spa Arc? Uh, you'd have to ask Paul Lore, actually. I've never said it out loud. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, hit him up on Twitter and he'll probably figure out a way to pronounce it. But I'm not going to, I'm not taking that. That's on him. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. And then I think you already answered this, but Aquiel Antonio said, was Death Ranger always planned to be gold? Yeah, he was always planning to be gold. There was, like I said, there was a moment a where, Ranger. yeah, yeah, there was a Silver Ranger, but that was going to be the one that was died. Um, and so, but then we realized that's not add another Ranger. But yeah, they were always going to be gold. Okay. And then finally, uh, Billy Jean White Jr. at basic underscore Baca W said, was there anything that you wish you could have added to the story leading up that there was either no space or time for or, or didn't fit in when, when looking back at this charge to 100? I mean, like I, I did say before, like, yeah, like whenever you write 40 pages sounds sure. like a lot, but it's not when you start to try and because one thing I had to do with this book was I kind of had to assume that you hadn't been reading both Mighty Morphin and Power Rangers. I yeah. hoped you would. But yeah. if there's a reason, for instance, that you weren't reading Mighty Morphin or you're reading Power Rangers, I do know there's some people who didn't like my run. And then when Matt came on, they're like, oh, OK, I'll reread Power Rangers again. So if you're going to redo 100, like I hope I had to assume that you hadn't been reading Power Rangers. So the opening is a kind of a rehash just so I gave you the bare amount of information so you know what was going on. So that takes yeah. some time. And then, you know, there's every battle scene always starts out as 10 pages and gets whittled down to four because <laughs> because I just run out of space. You're like, OK, it's going to be a 10 page battle. And then you're like, OK, it's six. It's eight. And it's six. Four it is. But like I wanted there to be more moves with the villain. I had a lot of cool things that I wanted to do with the Death Ranger that I thought had been fun. I would have really have liked to have used the KO 35 zombies a little bit better. I feel like they're kind of just in there and like they're scary looking and you get that they're like, they become more of a metaphorical problem. Like this is what the rest of the world's going to deal with and stuff. Yeah. And so I would have loved to have used them. And and then the other one, there was a whole scene that I had that got kind of got cut out, which was Zane sort of breaking free as well mm. of him. Cause I was like, I feel like I really lost his agency. Like he's, sure. he's a hero of his own right. And he's just kind of going along with everything. But ultimately it went to the wayside because I was like, it's more important that Jason it's the right. stories about Jason. Right. Zane will be able to show his own agency in the book in the series later. So I, I have to lose that, unfortunately. So that was one of those things where, um, you know, oh, yeah. And like I said, the power transfer to Trini would have been cool. Yes. But like finding the right time to have done that was also like one of those things where I just lost pages. It wouldn't be a finale without a new Megazord combination. <laughs> <laughs> and we get to see the freaking 
Dragon Thunder Zord. Uh, I I love it. I I wish they made <laughs> toys of all these combinations. I I hope they do at some point because they're really yeah. great. I'm, you know me, man. I'm always, anytime I can put a new, <laughs> new Thunderstorm combination, I'm in there and I'll come up with some ridiculous reason as to why and like that. Cause that's what we want, man. Like I remember yeah. on the show, like I'm somebody, I feel like I'm, I'm talking trash. I don't mean that, but like someone was like, how do they even know to go together? I was like, did you ever watch the TV show? Like the TV show, they would get brand new Zords out of nowhere that would just yes. suddenly more like that's the DNA of the TV show. But I love that I love that Billy mentions because Matt asks like, "Hey, well, my dragons are my dragons are could combine with the original Megazord, right?" And and Billy's like, "Yeah, we we did it a couple times, but and then <laughs> and then Rocky's like, "Man, I'm way ahead of you." Let's exactly, because like I do like it was one of those shows where you're like, "Why don't they just always go to that form? That form right. seems like that thing kicks butt," and they just never did. I love that like Billy kind of calls it. I'm out. Is like, yeah, I think we did it once or twice because they did once or twice. But I did like the idea that I don't think we ever got to see the Thunder Zord and the White Tiger Zord ever get together. So it was kind of a cool yeah. thing. I did. There was one thing, and I'm gonna I'm gonna throw the artist under the bus here. The idea that I did actually have that I wanted in the script, and we just didn't run out of time. There was a miscommunication. Was I wanted when it pulled out the thunder saber? Is that the yeah. right thunder saber? Yeah, yeah. It's got two different names on the show, but thunder saber. I wanted it to blow fire onto the sword blade, like 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 dragging oh, it up. Yeah. And ultimately, it's cool. What he does is fine with the. It turns into sure, like sure. a flight there, but I was like, I love that. But like the dragon head, like the sword on fire. That's what I wanted. I wanted the, the sword that did that, but it's okay. It's all right. Yeah, Someone yeah, yeah. Yeah, down the line. <laughs> but yeah, it was fun. Um, I actually really liked. So like there was a moment in this fight where when the gold Omega Zord shows up. Yes. So originally there was going to be a whole different thing that was going to happen here. And mm-hmm. I don't know if I want to tell you because it sounds like I was being a little bit. I mean, you know what? You guys have been loyal enough to, I can do this. Okay. okay. So originally what we were going to do was because of the death ranger, they, the idea was maybe they could resurrect things that were not uh, organic, that were alive. And the idea that we ultimately kind of played with was what if they resurrected the original dinosaur? Oh, come on. And and we were going to do, the black and gold figure that is out there as well. Oh, and the idea, cause he's gold okay. as well. Yeah. So we were going to do that. However, we had it, I had it in the outline that was going to happen. It was going to be two on one. But ultimately what I realized, it was like, that doesn't make any sense because, because the thunder zords are formed from exactly. the original. So yeah. we, we had the idea that maybe it actually pulled all the pieces out of the thunder zord. Sure, sure, sure. But then I was like, how's the thunder zord going to fight? And I didn't want it to just be the, <laughs> okay. I didn't want it to just be the dragon zord fighting at the end. Cause I was like, I need the, the rangers to be fighting. So, so we played with it a whole bunch of different ways. And then at the last minute, what I realized, realized was i was like wait a minute the gold omega ranger ha- would have his zord. own zord would have their own zord already and this is the this is literally this is the ultimate final this is combination. the final form and i was like yeah. oh my gosh let's not overcomplicate this so right. we just thought what can we do and i was like let's come up with the gold wings and i love the way the gold wings look Dude, it looks like some crazy egyptian god exactly it feels or it's funny because i will say this when we originally designed the ultra omega zord because it's all the bands because they can morph it's- together Exactly. So we didn't we didn't actually think about I didn't think about the wings. And then I think Marco, we told Marco, Uh hey, we need to add a gold wings. And then they drew this. And I was like, oh, my God, this actually looks 
like the final form. This is the yes. best version of the, I yes. like it with the wings the best. And I love how they got this sort of archangel feel to them. So it ultimately came together much better. My favorite Zord of all time in Power Rangers is the white Falcon Zord because yeah. it gives the Ninja Zord wings and it just yeah. looks freaking like when in my favorite scene of the Zords in the original Power Rangers movie is when that white Falcon Zord drops in pulls the wings together and launches and shoots all the missiles. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah. And so giving wings to, to the gold Omega Zord, I was nerding out. That was great. Yeah. I thought it looked, I thought we it ultimately looked like we knew exactly what we were doing. And it yeah. we did. But when we, when we figured out what we wanted to do, I think it executed pretty well. We always play, I'm telling you some stuff I probably shouldn't say, but like those are these little things in the early process of trying to figure sure. out the story. You try stuff and you're like, oh, what's, because you always like, you want the, it was a hundred, is the hundredth issue, right? We wanted to bring as much cool stuff into it and just make it feel as big and as crazy as possible. But yeah. that one felt like I, it just required too much explanation. It required too many things. Sure. And then when we finally settled on, let's just give the thing wings. I was like, Oh, this is the best possible version of this. So, yeah. And then just a couple more points. Cause I know we're short on time on this one, but one thing I, I wanted to bring up was just this conversation during the fight that Tommy and the Death Ranger as Jason had. And I know throughout your run, Jason and, and Tommy have kind of butted heads a bit. I just want to say that, like, Tommy basically offering himself, like, take me instead. Yeah. Was that genuine or was that just a distractionary thing for Andros to come in? It was genuine. I did like the idea that at the end of the day that Tommy was going to like, because you're right, we have had one of the biggest things I've had in the story was the idea that Tommy and Jason never quite see eye to eye a lot. You know, they fight, yeah. they argue that they, they, you know, there was resentment because he felt that they had abandoned them and whatnot and so forth. So it did feel like this moment where he didn't see any way out of it. And there was an opportunity to basically end this I thought there was something cool of that. Like Tommy's trying to sacrifice himself. Now, unfortunately he's sacrificing him himself in a way that would probably get them all killed. Sure, uh, sure, sure. <laughs> but, but I did, but like there was something to that idea of like, at the end of the day, all of these friends will lie, lay down their lives for the yeah. others. And so, and I liked that ultimately it was Andros who was like, nah, man, I'm stepping in here. Cause I tried to make it. So Andros would, Andros made a lot of mistakes in this arc. Sure. Yeah. And I think people can forgive him because we all understand he was going through some cra pretty crazy emotional yeah. conflict. But like, I did think that like he really does sort of try to redeem himself as much as he possibly can in these final things. Like when he morphs, he actually don't know if he knows what's going to happen. He just knows that if he does it, maybe it'll work. And he it could kill him. It could destroy him in that yeah. moment. But I like that he tried to do it too. And it, that three three five, yeah, with the let's panels and the number and like let's rock it. Like yeah. when when I read that, and you know the Death Ranger says, "Do you really think you can stop me all alone?" And he's like, "No, but the Morphin Grid can. Let's yeah. rock it." Like I can I can hear the actor's voice in my head saying, "Let's rock it!" Like with all yeah. that energy and just that that explosion, and it even has like the morphing complete when it does like from yeah. the in space. I, I was just, I, I was geeking out, man. Like that was, I'm glad. Cause I always liked the idea of somebody using the, uh, a morph as a weapon. Yeah. And yeah. like, that was what he gets to do. He uses it as like, cause what's also so great is 
the way that they morph specifically works yes. that way because his arm and then they go and they put their arms. So it's a headlock. And I was like, oh, yeah. that would be so cool if he could literally grab him. And like, I just thought that was such a neat thing. You like, he won't morph. He won't morph. Like, let's use that. Like the final well, moment. The, the he, final moment, he finally yeah. morphs and it's yeah. like he, he gets that red back on him. It was, that yeah, was so he, cool. Yeah, I liked it. It was a lot of fun. I'm, I'm really glad you liked that too because I thought that was like, I could see that if you did this as an animated movie or you did it as a oh live action, God. like how cool that moment would be. Yeah, it, it was just oh man, I I can't stop geeking out because it, it was also a page turn, and you're like, because yeah. you don't know what's going to happen, and <laughs> that's true. And just great design work to have the three three five as like him actually punching in the numbers, just really cool, really cool. Yeah, I'm glad it. I'm glad you liked it. Any final thoughts that you want to give? I know you're coming back for Mighty Morphin and, and TMNT two, but any thoughts that you want to give to our listeners or any parting words on? I mean, I, I know you didn't do all 100 issues, but you did, right. you know, from Kyle to what you did and then what Marguerite did. And it's been really a team effort, but you were writing two issues a month for a, a long time. And <laughs> I, I know how much hard work that is. So any words for our listeners? Well, if I was a, a good team player right now, I would have a list of all of the artists I worked with <laughs> and all of the writers and the colorists and the letterers and well, oh, letterer, ev letterer. everyone's done. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. And I, and I'm bad with names and I should have had that. And that would be amazing. So let's just pretend that I did that. Okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but I will say like, I feel like that I've, you know, like this sounds like the same old rhetoric, but like, you know, I've been got to work with some really, 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 really fantastically untalented people. And, and like, I've just been, I, I, I can't believe I got lucky enough to do this. Like I'm never, mm -hmm. look, I hopefully I'll write more comics in the future. I don't think I'll ever be a part of something as big and as long as this in the sense of like, like an editor, like Daphna having the faith in me to be able to be like, Hey, like, I know you, you're you, you I'd never written a, an ongoing comic book before I wrote Go Go. Yeah, never. So like that was the first book I got to do. And they were like, here you go. And the fact that I got to do that for almost like six years is pretty crazy. And, you know, I was really scared so many times when I would try things. And I'm like, man, I just do not know if if this is if people are going to be on board with this. And, and and I'm like you guys, like I love these characters and I love mm -hmm. this this series and I don't want to screw it up. I don't want the last thing I want in the world was for someone to spend twenty seven dollars on an issue. It feels like these days, but like, you know, four <laughs> bucks on an issue. Well, at least for me, because I'm I'm trying to get you know, the majority of the variants. variants. Yeah. yeah. So the last thing I want you to do is buy all those variants and then you read the first issue and you're like, this guy sucks. This guy doesn't know these characters. He doesn't like them. He doesn't want them. He's not showing them the respect that they deserve. Like, I don't want that. And so, like, I tried. I, I hopefully I hope I was able to give you guys what what I want, you know, with the things that I would pick up a comic book and the whole the things that I like. And so, like, you know, at the end of the day, I, I you know, I know. I'll never please everybody, but that's okay. Like, I, yeah. I, that's just the way it is. And the people that I didn't please, you know what you guys should go do? You should all go start trying to write comic books and then you can go take this job and then you can do it your way and I'll read it. And that'll be awesome. Like do it. Yeah. That, and I'm not being flippant. I mean, like no, that's no. what got me going was I want to see things like the way that I wanted. So, so if you didn't like the book and I don't know why you are listening to this two hour podcast and you didn't, <laughs> but if you didn't go yeah. and like you, you can do it, come out and do it yourself and, and make it better. And for the people who did, thank you for support. Thank you for, I, I, this journey is, is no pun intended. Sure. <laughs> was with everybody. It, it wouldn't have been as much fun. It wouldn't have even happened if 
And that's what the cons have been for. Like I've gotten to sit down and talk to people about the books and people come up to me and they tell me, Oh, I love this book. And you reignited some people come up, you know, you've reignited my, my love for comics. You reignited my love for power Rangers. That's the best compliment I could ever get. And I got to meet people like you, Eric. I mean, honest, like I, these conversations made me a better writer. They made me appreciate what how lucky I am to do this in real time. You know that line from The Office? It'd be great if you could know what the, if you were in the good old days, why yep. you were in the good old days. Coming on this podcast and talking to you reminded me and gave me that, that energy when I was down or I was behind on a deadline and like going, I'm not going to be able to figure this out. And so like, you know, this has been the most rewarding experience of my creative and professional career. And, and I hope at the end of the day, that, you know, I know everybody, I'm going to keep reading this. I, now I get to join you guys as fans. Yeah. Now I get to go out there and I get to go to the comic book store. And, and, on and you worked with Melissa back in the yeah. Saban days. I, so, talked to yeah. her, I talked to her today about some stuff. I literally texted her and I was like, yeah. I mean, yeah, you guys are also doing like the Dead Lucky and, and Rogue Sun. So it's yeah. like, yeah, and it's it's such a great journey. And Ryan, I just want to thank you because of these conversations, you know, uh, we become friends and you know, I, I thank you just for reaching out when when I did have COVID because just having that conversation w- was was really helpful. So I, I I thank you and I really thank you for all your time that you've you've given to the podcast. We've had some great listener reactions where they're like, "Yeah, I listened to that whole three hour podcast. Oh, like boy. that was some of the best podcast." And I'm like, "Wow, that's awesome." <laughs> so I really thank you, Ryan, for you know, being so generous with, with my podcast. So I, I really appreciate it. It's been fun. And, and I'm hopefully we'll get to do it a few more times. Oh yeah. hundred yeah. <laughs> percent. Awesome. I do want to mention some dates. So for those that want to know more of Ryan's stuff. So first off, my Morphin Power Rangers issue 100 is out now. In fact, it's sold out at the distributor level. And there is now, by the time of this recording, there is a second cover with Dan Mora's artwork of the red death omega ranger but also in november go go power rangers book one deluxe edition hardcover is finally coming out oh really oh that's awesome i didn't know that november 15th go go power rangers book one deluxe edition hardcover and it's got jason with the backpack on the cover oh great that's coming out november 15th and then two weeks later november 29th Mighty Morphin Power Rangers Necessary Evil Part 2 Deluxe Hardcover is coming out. Wow. Holy moly. That's awesome. So, (laughs) and like you mentioned before, Ryan, uh, Rogue Sun Volume 1 trade paperback is already out. I picked it up even though I pick up the single issues because... I, I'm the crazy person because <laughs> even though I collect all the single issues and single covers, I still collect all of the graphic novel versions because I like the fact that I can pick it up off my shelf and I don't have to unbag all my individual issues. So that's why I do it Good for you. <laughs> Cause I'd like to revisit these stories. Oh yeah. I mean, it, there's been times where I pick up the graphic novel and I'm like, Oh man, where did that take place? Cause I'll look for it, like <laughs> referencing something. And I'm like, I need to go find the single issues. Cause it's the only way I'm going to be able to find it. Cause I don't know. Cause I remember the cover with, with the moment. Yes. And if you just give me the trade, I'm like, I have no idea. It's somewhere in the middle, <laughs> but I will say thank you for so much for doing that. Yeah. Thank you for supporting rogue son. 
and I've said this out like for anybody who's listening to this who might be interested and they've they've listened to Power Rangers and read Power Rangers like Rogue Sun is is a passion project. It's something that we are trying to do all the fun stuff that we weren't able to do in Power Rangers, not mm-hmm. because we were like, no, the mandate from the corporate overlords. It's just that thing of like, you know, you take risks and you sure. have a lot of people that have to say yes on things and they have to protect the brand and and you just don't have the time and the resources to be able to do all the crazy things that come into your mind. We can do that in the massive verse in a way that we haven't been able to in the past. And so if, if you have, please give those books a try picking up single issues and, you know, trying one issue and seeing if you like it. That does mean a lot. I like waiting for trades like as everybody else. However, I will say and how that I have actually have my own book that I am watching the floppy sales. If you don't buy floppies, there's no guarantee you're right. going to get a second trade because you need those, especially, I would say, especially in those early days between one and yeah. 18. Those are yeah. really, those are the difference between a book surviving for 18 issues or hundred issues. So right. if you're ever interested and you, and you're willing to take a chance, please do. Absolutely. And just one last question, any upcoming appearances that you have that you'll want to promote? Uh, yes, I'm going to be at LA Comic Con on December 2nd through the 4th. That's probably okay. my last con of the year. So if you're going to be there, that'll be fun. There might be some cool stuff that we're going to reveal. But uh, yeah, that's my last con of the year. I don't know about next year. I'm hopefully going to take a little bit of a break for a little sure. bit. I think I did 18 cons last year, which was a lot. Wow. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot of travel and and I'm not great at planes. But uh, yeah, so that'll be where I'm at. Those are really fun. So if you are in the LA area Absolutely. and you've never met, please come by. It's, it's always great to meet people. So Awesome. Well, Ryan, once again, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Great discussion. And we'll definitely have you back on for MMPR TMNT too. Power Bunga. Sounds Power good. Power Bunga, man. All right. <laughs> Thanks, everyone, for listening, and and we'll catch you on the next Ranger Command Power Hour. Hey, guys, it's Nicole. And James. With a dynamic ad here to tell you about the next Darling Homebody Shopping Network live stream. If you're unfamiliar, think QVC or the Shopping Network, but on Twitch and Facebook selling that sweet, sweet Darling Homebody merch. When is it? Thursday, December 1st at 6 p.m. Central Time. Where is it? At Darling Homebody on Twitch and Facebook Live. But what is it, though? For the entire stream, all merchandise on DarlingHomebody.com, excluding t-shirts, will be 20% off. We're talking art prints, stickers, Dino Cat minifigures, and even the premiere of a brand new Shark Cat figure. I know last time we had a Shark Cat figure, but this is a new version, so be there to find out all 20 percent off bonus goodies can be added to your order as well also every 100 dollars we make during the stream i will eat a hot ones last dab carolina reaper edition that's well over two million scovels our goal is to make one thousand dollars in one night if we do james will attempt the Pocky's One Chip Challenge, which you won't want to miss. Again, Thursday, December 1st at 6 p.m. Central Time, 20% off bonus goodies and my scorched mouth. Be there. Darling Homebody on Twitch and Facebook.
You've been listening to the Ranger Command Power Hour, only on the Four-Eyed Radio Network. You can catch a new episode every other Saturday. Find us on the Morphin Grid at www.rangercommand.com. Follow us on Twitter at RangerCommandPH. Like us on Facebook and Instagram at Ranger Command Power Hour. Ranger Command is also on Patreon. Become a patron by pledging as much or as little as you like every month and receive cool perks. By pledging, you are helping us make our show even better. Go to patreon.com slash rangercommandph to learn more. Thanks for listening.